Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight. I'm your host, Alexis Soto, joined by Alexis Moreno for the first time in over a month, it seems like. <laughs> she's been away doing some very important things for herself, but now she's back to, I don't know, we're just going to be here as long as we want to and, you know, bitch, whine, and moan, and maybe even rave about some of the stuff that we've been seeing here the last couple of days, weeks, and months as far as it concerns movies and television so much of that here stay tuned on red spotlight number 430 so um how have you been been good been busy tired <laughs> yeah i think that pretty much summarizes um how i <laughs> i've been feeling these last few weeks i don't know what it is about like coming back from the holiday break at least for me but there's just something tiring and not so pleasant about it. <laughs> I yeah. find I find myself. I didn't just, even do anything. No, I, me we neither. Slept all day. Yeah, I but, know. Like Christmas, thanks. Uh, Thanksgiving. Um, New Year's. New Year's. We did something, but yeah, we didn't do much. <laughs> Yeah, neither did I, but it's just, it's amazing how much it just, like, it's supposed to be a break, but then when you go back, and kind of like, oh, I'm still, like, you know, um, maybe because I've just, like, been sleeping later, but, like, I found myself, like, several, not several, maybe, like, once, not during work, but after work when I come back, I, I do find myself, like, nodding off. I think yesterday, I had my computer in my lap, I closed my eyes. And then by the time I opened them again, it was on the floor. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was fine. I mean, clearly it's the computer's fine. Um, but it's like, um, yeah, I think you're probably tired. And like, I guess like there was sometimes this week where I was trying to, you know, try and be good on myself and get to bed at like a 10:30, 11 o'clock. But I can never get any earlier than like one, <laughs> like <laughs> every I day. Hate that. Well, now because um, I, I my work schedule changed, so I set my alarms, but I don't wake up um, at that time. But my first alarm goes off at three in the morning, and I don't get up till four because if I don't, I won't hear a single thing, <laughs> and I won't wake up. Oh my and god! I'm I get scared. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to, like, not wake up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I get home, and I, I mean, it was the first week that I had to be like this, so it was kind of like, an, it's like an adjustment period, but I'm hoping, like, by next week, I kind of get, like, a more handle on things, and I started school this week, so I don't want to, like, take naps and stuff, and I want to be in bed by, like, 8 o'clock, and then maybe fall asleep at, like, 9 or something to have, like some sleeping time but it's it's interesting <laughs> yeah um I've, <clears throat> I've just been so tired mm -hmm. <laughs> and sleepy and yeah I, I can definitely understand what you're saying there and not wanting to like risk staying asleep because you know yeah. sleep is so good these days I'm, I'm such a heavy sleeper like i literally have my phone next to me and sometimes they would will go and like knock on my door and be like your alarm has been going off for like an hour 
Oh my god, really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. While he was asleep and he woke up because of the alarm? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, it's been a interesting couple of weeks because um while we're on the post House of the Dragon, post the Crown, post andor um i guess we could consider the last of us as the next big it show going on it's getting a lot of attraction um or should say traction and buzz going off and i'm sure uh later on in the show we're going to talk about it because you did see the first episode um and even listen to a podcast so you have a lot of insight into that um, but yeah, it's just like for me anyway, these last few weeks, really these last two months, especially I've been really going out of my way to watch as many movies as possible. Um, because of just a genuine curiosity, there's a lot of movies out in any given year. And every time we come to the awards season, like half of them you've never heard of, <laughs> And it makes you feel like, well, where the fuck was I? You know, like if <laughs> if we're like doing this thing where, you know, we say that um, movies are a passion for us, why is it that um, this happens all the time? And for me anyway, I'm always in the know, I would say, of what most movies are because I've always like paid attention to like the awards season, the Oscar season of it. But most of the time I've never really gone out of my way to watch all of them because it's a lot. And there's also different kinds of movies too, because you have, you know, the international ones can be sometimes hard to track down. You also have like short films, both in live action and animation. You have, also short documentary films, you have documentary films. That's a whole different thing in, in and of itself. So it's it and those, by the way, are all different categories of the Academy Awards. And so that's it's just hard to like gauge, like, okay, well, where do I start? And yeah. so it, I know it, that's how that's how I feel. And I feel yeah. like that's why a lot of the time I'm not I like I don't watch them as much as you guys do, because I get like super overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Yeah. It's it, like yeah, like I get very <laughs> anxious about it <laughs> do you have any idea how many movies um do you like track how many movies you've seen in a given year in letterbox or not really uh no because what i do i put all the movies um i don't count the tv shows on letterbox i'm not even gonna get into it you know what it is i'm not gonna go there i'm just gonna say letterbox uh, so far their statement seems to be highly hypocritical but we're not gonna belabor that point it's been discussed it's like i saw on letterbox tales of the jedi is on there like go fuck yourselves okay that's not a movie but you know fine um because uh, on every year, what I do is I make a list of all of the movies I've seen in a given year. Um, and I'm happy to say that as the years have gone by, I've made much more of an effort to go and see much more of them. And I've always felt like the more things you see, the more different kinds of stories you're exposed to. And then you might find some things um, that you 
didn't know you'd like. Or you'll find some things that maybe you respect but are very much not for you. Or you can find some things that are just absolute, um, you know, not it. <laughs> it happens almost every year. But as far as I can see here, um, I used to, I think sometime bet uh, between 2000, 2017 through 2019, I was averaging around, we see it, it ranges from year to year. Cause look at this in 20, a lot of movies last I know year. in 2017, I only saw 37 movies. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> but then like in 2018, I saw 50. And then in 2019, that went up to 63, more or less in the same like ballpark. But that's, you know, that's a lot to see. It doesn't sound like that many, but that's a lot it's to a see. Lot. It's a lot. Um, And then last year in 21, that total went to 82. God. So it, it like skyrocketed there. And in this last, uh, in these last few hours, um, I logged. Um, the 99th film for this last year. So I'm at, <laughs> I'm at 99 and I'm Plus for sure, be the hundred, but I don't know which know. it might be. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing 13 lives. I think it's 13 lives, uh, by Ron Howard. Uh, it's on Amazon prime video. And, um, from what I've seen, it's gotten a lot of really good reaction to it. Like one of the, like the better received Ron Howard movies in like a long time. So I might see that one tonight, but there's still others that I that are I'm interested in mm -hmm. that I haven't had the chance to see, but it's like wow, that's crazy! Ninety nine movies um, yeah. in a in a given year, and look, I get that it's overwhelming, and I'm not even I, I'm I know some people I feel I feel like Kyle thinks like he's judged for not seeing as many movies, but then again, I don't it's, watch it's, a lot of movies. It's you don't I either. Mean, but I, then, I, when I say, but it's like weird though, because I feel like we do watch a lot of movies, but it's just not like, like I wish I watched more. But also, like sure. uh, another thing with me is just like, I like watching movies and I enjoy watching these movies. But when I, a lot of the times, it's like when I get home, like I don't feel. I I work as a receptionist. I look at a computer screen all day, like yeah, literally well, yeah. every second of the day. And I just feel like I, I don't want to make that big commitment. And, like, when I watch a movie, um, like, I want to, like, fully invest in it, you know? Like, yeah. I don't want to, like, just have it in the background. And, like, I don't feel that most of the time I can do that when I watch a movie, you know? Especially one that I, like, really, really want to watch. Like, mm -hmm. I can't. Or I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was that's, like, my thing yeah. when it comes to, like... No, I I feel you, and I feel that way sometimes as well. And it's like when I when I like when I want to get to something that I've been meaning to see, then the day, the hour, the moment arrives, and then you're like, you know what, my I'm my the way my mental capacity is today, and the day that I've had, and how I'm feeling right now, I I can't give this film my full attention. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't want to like. And and it's weird because I think a lot of people don't think about those things. Like I when I want to watch something, I want to give it my full yeah. attention. You know, I want to because I, I like them, I enjoy yes. them. Yes, you know? so you, you, I want to be in the moment, like fully in it, and not like be so distracted yeah. by it. Like and I hate, I hate people that like start watching movies and then they fall asleep. 
I hate, and that's happened, like, a few times with me, and I don't like doing that, because, like, when I sit down to watch a movie, it's because I want to see it, mm-hmm. you know? People who do that, mm. They irritate me. <laughs> and then they make no attempt to ever watch it again in their yes. life. Yes! And it's like, they assume, oh, I was bored, that's why I fell asleep. Maybe you were just tired. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have been watching a movie in the first place yeah. to even do that. Um, God, I hate that so much. I hate it. <laughs> I do too. Like, and I, and I don't mean like to be rude or you yeah, know, pompous but it just or pretentious. Me because again, I feel like we are all of us here are like super passionate about these types of things. Like we're like we're the movies. kind of people that think about the people behind yeah. that make yes. these things. Like uh-huh. we don't just look at them as like something that'll just like kill time yeah. or as pure entertainment. Like yeah. we're so invested in, 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 in these things that we know, all right, who wrote it? Who's the person that directed it? Yes. Who's the production designer? Who's the costume designer? It's like all of these different, there's so many people that come together to make just one yeah. little movie and, like, we take the time to, like, oh, I wonder who was in charge of this department. Or, like, wow, the cinematography here. We actually know what that word means. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that sounds so pretentious as hell, but, I mean, it's the, it's the truth. And it's, like, we want to, like, oh, man, this is, like, one of the better looking ones. And when, yeah. And most people are, like, cool. Um, Can I just stream it? Also, if we're being honest, or I think... There are a lot of people that just need something they can watch and then never think about ever again. Yeah. And I understand that too, but that's just not the way that I see it. (laughs) I can understand wanting to feel that. And I have felt, you know, that sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. If it was that all the time, why would I care about movies if that was the case, you know? Why even like do this? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It's like... I mean, have you seen my room? <laughs> Fucking movies all over the place. And, man. Yeah, I, I look, I feel like we get to this kind of explanation all the time, but it's the truth. And it's never been more truer now because of just the mere fact that so many of these films that, you know, are promoted in the awards circuit are no longer really finding an audience in a theater if Mm -hmm. any if anything the people uh the audience for those movies in particular movies like women talking or she said or triangle of sadness or fablemans or tar all those things it used to be even just five years ago there would be an audience for all of those films and it would make a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. Now all those people are just like, eh, I'll just wait for it to come home. Now that, that makes me so now, sad. It's so sad, but I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's just that audience. No, I think generally speaking, all different kinds of audiences and in general, the general audience are now of that same mind track. And I know, and I, I hope people who listen to our show can understand at this point that sometimes we're going to break off into like several different tangents. I don't even know if you heard the last podcast. That was the whole last podcast where we just kept going from one thing to the other and then like trying to backtrack. Um, But I had such a good time talking about anime and animation. That was fun. Uh, That was last week's episode. But um, 
as far as like what you just said and where I want to go off with this almost immediately um, is I don't know anymore. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know anymore. The general audience for movies. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Thank you. I, I got it back. Thank you. It was like, it's like a needle in a haystack. And as soon as like, you let go of it for a second, it just like goes away. <laughs> Talking about this topic. Um, We're getting old. It's okay. it, it, it's, it feels like it is. Maybe it's just the work we got. Maybe it's the age. Who knows at this point? But yes, I feel like with especially 2022 and what we have seen, Bob Chapik is a person that you and I have personally had issues with for the entire time he was at Disney. But it is really concerning that the animated films that were released last year theatrically were just so ignored to the point where it's like, well, what's happened here? And I feel like it's pretty clear what it is and that is Chapek screwed the pooch in a way I don't think he could even have come close to fathoming which is oh your premier prestige animated projects Disney you're telling me you're just gonna like drop this on Disney Plus now with my subscription included instead of having to take my whole family out and spend so much more money every single time to seeing these movies, even just like four times a year, maybe even once or twice. Okay. It's, I don't think it's been as clear as it is with Disney animation and how it performed so poorly and pitifully. And it's like several in a row. And I, I think like, yes, there are asterisks with the last few ones where you can say, well, this happened here and that happened here with strange world. There was no marketing campaign. Absolutely. (laughs) No marketing campaign. Nobody knew the film even existed. So it's like, okay, I guess in a way you can kind of see why a film that no one knew existed didn't do out the box office. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That tracks, especially when anybody who did want to go to a theater in like the heat of November had like 20 other options yeah. <laughs> playing. So it was just a bad time. By the way, never do that again. <laughs> never release all your awards season like movies in like two months. That was <laughs> insane. <laughs> never again. It used to be from like September all the way to even January. It used to be January yeah. there would be some like late hitters, but it's like, no, we gotta we gotta change that. Okay, so that's Strange World. Then came Lightyear. And you oh know, on, on paper, I on paper. about that movie. Well, I mean, who could blame you? The movie is what the movie is. But like on paper, if you like, if you're an executive, a movie executive, and you're like, a Buzz Lightyear animated film, straight to theaters, this is going to make all the money. The last thing that was connected Chris to Evans Buzz Lightyear. Yes. Like... Please. This the Toy Story been... franchise, like the last Toy Story movie made a billion dollars. That's like, 
yeah, yeah, it's it's a no-brainer. That's it's gonna go and make all the money in theaters. No one gave a fuck. No one gave a fuck. And if we're also being honest with ourselves, I think we all just assumed in large part why it didn't do so good out of the gate before the reviews and the reaction settled in. The marketing campaign. Well, this one did have a marketing campaign, so there was that. It was weird. <laughs> but it was it was um inept because it couldn't sell you on like yeah, what? what is it? Yes. Yeah. It couldn't sell you on even that. And it was so funny when the movie Lightyear starts with like a title uh sequence or like not a title sequence, but like a, a title card in a way uh-huh. where it's like in 1995. <laughs> such a weird thing to start off the movie with, like Andy saw a movie that changed his life, whatever. This is that movie. Oh, if right. you if if you have to start your movie like that after the marketing campaign, you've already kind of like are working at a disadvantage to be fair to them. So, like again, like those films had big things working against them that, you know, definitely contributed to people not wanting to go see it. But Maybe we were missing the biggest thing, which is perhaps family just said, you know what? It's not going to take that long for it to be on Disney+. Plus. We'll just wait. Because you know what else was something we don't want to spend too much time acknowledging because it really does hurt? And yes, while Encanto is an international phenomenon and... In the advent of streaming, catapulted to a status perhaps no film has reached since The Lion King. Because of its popularity and its Mm -hmm. storytelling and its music. But it was a big ol' flop. It only lasted 30 days in theaters before they decided to go straight to Disney Plus after that. While still, I mean, mean exclusively in theaters. It was still playing after 30 days. But let's be real here. Most people saw that movie on Disney+. Plus. We didn't hear anybody talking about it until no. January. Yeah. Yeah. And I just saw a video of, like, the top soundtrack or album of 2021. Mm-hmm. It was Encanto. Except nobody saw it in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> nobody saw it in 2021. It shouldn't even count at that point, but it's like, um... No, it, it passed Adele. Yeah. Like, I know. And what makes that even sadder? And again, at that point, we thought, well, we're still in the year, first year out of the pandemic. Again, there's yeah. a, a lot of asterisks yeah. here. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? What was a red flag was at the exact same time that Encanto was playing in theaters. Another animation film was playing in theaters by Illumination, and it was a sequel called Sing 2. And guess which movie kicked the other one's ass when it came to pure box office dollars? It wasn't Encanto. Encanto got its ass kicked. And again, look, the argument is, and look, to be clear, I and no one is saying that Sing 2 is in any ways better or as good as anything Encanto was? No. Um, but something specific is happening to Disney. Disney animation 
that it, it's not t- really affecting any of the other animated movies. Now, even right now, Puss and even to, to a more extreme degree, Puss in Boots is in theaters. It's still making a lot of money. And I guess the difference, and I, this is weird because Universal, I know it's DreamWorks and it's Universal. They have this thing where after 17 days, all their films, they don't go to streaming, they go to PVOD, premium video on demand. And if you want to rent that on at home, you got to pay 25 bucks out of pocket. Mm-hmm. But that, that I feel like we've always said this, that like at least, at least makes more sense to me because you're making more money out of this movie that you need to pay back. Yes, and, yes. you know, pay the people who made uh-huh. this movie. Like, it, does, it never, ever, ever made sense to me. And I know that we've said this in those months of 2020 that, you know, we were recording every single day. <laughs> We were, weren't we? You know, we, this this is like the thing that we kept saying. Like, okay, people cannot go to the movies right now. Mm-hmm. Put them on in whatever to pay to go to watch them at your home. Like, it just it never made sense at all to just put them on Disney Plus with your... And I, I know that they did it for like, um, what was it? Um, Soul. Yeah, Soul and, and, um, and Wonder Woman. That was, but that I think everybody understood, or at least we were hoping, that was a very special occasion. Yes, that would never have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic and the particular spot we were at that at that point. But then, where they fucked up more so was when they kept doing it. Like, think about this. Look at the timeline here. Soul was dropped on Disney Plus Christmas Day 2020. At the time, it was seen as an experiment. We're now here almost three years later, um, and now it's the norm. And you've seen just in that short span of time um, the mess it's made to the profitability of these films. Because it, it wasn't just that one-time thing. Look what happened. So we're in, in December 2020. It's Soul. It drops on Disney Plus. The next shoe to drop is Luca, the most, and I want to remind people, according to Nielsen, the most streamed film of 2021, period, place we forget, um, and should have won the Academy Award, in my opinion, but we're not going to go there. Uh, I mean, I did, and I will all the time, but that film was great. We all loved it, and um, when it dropped, all of us were like, what are you doing? Yes. What are you doing? But we also have to keep in mind that when Luca came out, we had to pay for Jungle Cruise and I believe for Black Widow also, right? Uh huh. Yeah. But not for Luca. <laughs> not for Luca. Not for Luca. So you see, already there, Disney was telling its subscribers, "Hey, there's, there's a different tier here. The animation films, yeah, whatever. You can get them in your <laughs> subscription for free. The other ones, you got to pay." The thing that, that made us, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But that wasn't the end of it, now was it? Because um, later that year, on Christmas Day, one year to the day that Soul was dropped on Disney+, and so was Encanto. Most people saw Encanto on Disney+, and you know what made it even more fucking worse? Was not that far from there. Now, in December 2021, that's when Encanto dropped. Fast forward really quickly to March 2022, then comes turning red. 
So do you see the dominoes that just fell in like a short span of time from Soul to Luca to Encanto to Turning Red? You done fucked up. Because <laughs> at that point, you may have, like, that's like the genie coming out of the bottle. I don't know and, if it's going to go back in. And what makes it, like, more upsetting is just because... Well, it was so avoidable. I mean, you could have just well, stopped yeah, it at Soul. But I think that, like, the 2010s, although, like, I enjoyed the animated movies and stuff, but 2010s was kind of also their flop era in some cases. Which, and I mean, which, I know which studio? For... Disney Animation, uh, Pixar. Uh-huh. I'm not saying all of them, but no, yeah. you know, for the most part, you know, we weren't too excited as mm-hmm. you know. Um, it was better than the early 2000s, but or than the like 2000s. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. it was a step up. But I feel like since then, uh, in like 2020 and on. They've been releasing such good movies that deserve the chance to, you know, succeed Uh and be in the movies and to tell these stories. And it's not happening. (laughs) It's not happening. And you know what? Uh, We always forget to mention this film because it, it, it was like it got the hook because of COVID in the beginning, but onward. (laughs) And Ryan. Yeah. Please. I forgot that movie existed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So between Onward and Raya and Encanto and Luca and Soul and Turning Red. Yeah. It's a lot of very diverse and exciting stuff. And in some, in a lot of those projects, I think it, particularly when it comes to Luca Turning Red, I think of the, and Encanto, are the more shining examples of of these movies, but like they even feel like auteur movies, where it's like they they're they're so director driven, they're so yeah, they're so personal it's, story yes. driven, yeah, yeah, and then they become so much more potent and and just better quality stories as as a I mean as a, as onward, a byproduct of that. Onward is literally a kind of like the director. What's his name? Dan Scanlon. Uh-huh. Yeah, Dan This Scanlon. is the story about his dad. Like, his own personal, you know, trauma in, yeah. you know, his dad's passing. One of the and most th- affecting scenes in that film, or I think maybe even what... You can even clip this scene out of Onward and put it up there with some of the best Pixar sequences. Mm-hmm. Where... Um, the Tom Holland character, what's his name? The the main character, anyway. He's playing a tape recorder of his father's uh, voice recordings, <laughs> and the music is swelling up. And I'm like, "Wow, that, that's so good! That's so it's good. so good!" Yeah, you know, and it's just it's so upsetting, just how you know what? Fuck Bob Chapek. <laughs> I hate him. He really like he. He threw these movies under the bus that oh he was driving God. and ran them over. And like, it's it's so upsetting because I mean, like these films are truly, truly the crowning achievement. Um, or the, they're the crown jewel of, of Disney. And yet, and then you look at all the stuff that does go out to theaters. 
I mean, none of those movies had a fair shake. And I, even Onward, I would even consider a film that, well, I mean, they just put it on, on VOD, like, I mean, not even like two months after because of how little money it made. I think it was like the week but after. You, but you know, and you know what? And this is, this, this really is disgusting and infuriating. The move, the one that did get like no questions asked. This is going to the theaters. Lightyear. <laughs> of all of these movies, Lightyear. They thought the power of Toy Story was too strong. Uh, they thought wrong. <laughs> I, I like still don't understand what they were trying to do with that. It's so, it's such I a weird I don't, movie. I don't think they understood what I they don't were trying so to do either. with it. Like yeah. the only thing that got me excited about that movie was the song in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. I. Jesus Christ, what a nothing movie. And... Disney's just like it's funny how you were saying that like the 2010s was like their flop era. I mean, they've had various flop eras, but I think like I think you can just and not just with animation, but just like generally speaking, you may look at where we are right now in the 2010s and like just looking at all of the the just the theatrical output that Disney has had. Um, it's just mostly Marvel movies. And by the way, in case anyone's forgotten, it's been a hot minute since we've had, you know, big Marvel conversations on this podcast. But when you look at where it currently stands, you get the you get a sense that there's been a turn in the wind. And that the overall perception right now is it's official. Marvel has like entered their flop era mm -hmm. their own personal flop era and personally i'm happy about that because i think they deserve it no i mean i i know it's funny to say that but truthfully like kevin feige has shown that he understands these criticisms and if you saw the finale and you know you read about the finale of she-hulk um he knows all of them <laughs> he just won't do a damn thing yeah, to address them whatsoever so weird so it's like, like why you know, acknowledge it if you're not gonna do, do anything if you're not going to change the way you make these films because by the way it's like it, they look ugly and then also you're overworking everybody and not paying them enough and it's like dude it's like you're you're becoming the villain you are the villain at this point it's like i don't want you to succeed i want you to fail because i'm sick and tired of people on the internet claiming you're god and, and like, you know, there's, there's, there are these memes that have been around for years where some Marvel actor is asked a question and then it's like a, you know, a cheeky kind of thing where like they have Feige's smiling face over like a sniper or something like to like to shut them up about spoilers and shit. And it's like every time I see those memes now, I'm like, dude, you're like so living in 2019. No one cares anymore. No one like and, and it's like, again, who cares? And it's like. 
when you're looking at that trailer or any of the trailers that have come out for Emin and the Wasp, it's so funny to me. I, I, I'm sorry if this comes across as if I'm, I'm making fun of people who like genuinely enjoyed those, but I guess there's no other way to get around it. I, I am because when you look at that trailer and it's like, there is, I feel nothing. I feel nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah. And what is there is heinous because you look at the, it, it's a big effects movie. And guess what? It looks like diarrhea. <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> looks like, like it's the color palette of diarrhea. And it's so dark. And it's like, that's why on, on the group chat, I was like, I can't see anything. I literally can't see anything. And it's like, and then, you know what, what was the one that took the cake? It was last Saturday in the group chat, to be specific. And I, I, I hope you <laughs> saw it. Um, I know I sent a lot of things and sometimes... I sent too many things and you can like forget <laughs> one of the things that I sent over. But this one was like, this one was like, I think more memorable. And I hope it was because it had actual pictures, which is like, there was screen grabs of four different Marvel movies and there were effects, heavy scenes and screenshots. Or, they all screen grabs. like blended together. And it looked like it was from the same movie. It looked like it was from the same movie. All of them. And it was from... I think it was from Thor Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange, the new Ant-Man uh, trailer, and then also from Loki. Yeah. It was from four It was from four different Marvel projects, and then you look at it and, and one thing, and you wouldn't even know it. And, and, but you do know it now because it was pointed out to you. They're from different projects, but they look the same. And it's like, doesn't that just encapsulate how lazy and predictable and boring they've become? And like, it's like, like I was telling Peter the other day, it's like, look, why, why would I care? Why would any of us actually care at this point? It seems like they don't care anymore. Yeah. And I feel like there was a turning point with that, with that She-Hulk finale where it kind of, it made things even just that more gross where it's like oh mr feige you you're basically you're really just telling yourself you you told us you see all the things that people say about you you hear all of that but at the same time you're also saying you're not doing anything to change any of that mm -hmm. and again like this is also predictable like we knew going into the phase four situation that people were going to feel this way any anyway but even to it like, the overall feeling of the MCU is just so much worse than even the individual things. Because, again, I still like some of the individual Marvel stuff. Like, I, I like Lo Love and Thunder. Um, I don't think about it all that often. But you know what? Wakanda Forever was a good movie, even though it had some clear issues. But mm -hmm. it was a good movie. Doctor Strange, when you turn the sound off, is a really good movie. <laughs> I reckon... <laughs> Please. You know what I would watch? I would watch a score only version of Doctor okay, Strange. Okay, yeah, I uh hope. -huh. I'll watch that one. There, there's uh, individual things of each movie that yes. are good. Yes. But when they all mix together, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, and one of the biggest, um, what unites all the Marvel projects, except for Werewolf by Night, because that was. Not an effects-heavy project, mm -hmm. but most of the MCU projects these days suffer from the same thing. And 
it's a decline in quality when it comes to the visual effects. Yeah. That Ant-Man stuff, <laughs> I know it made, I wasn't, I know it came off like a joke, but like when I tell you that uh, that um, <laughs> George Lopez and Shark Boy and Lava Girl looked so much better than freaking um, whatever that was in that Ant-Man trailer, it's not a joke. It's funny. I'm talking about Modoc, the guy, yeah. and, and I was like, "What the fuck yeah. is this?" It was, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, look, they're dropping in quality overall too, and then if you look to just this year, as we've been saying for months now, can you name me one project that you're remotely interested in? Can you even name me the ones that are coming out this year? No. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just thought of this, too. You know, like, what's worse? Uh, we, again, know that the 2010s were also the sequel era. Um, uh, for Pixar? Which we knew was to make these movies that have come out that they're all just wasting as well. Which means... That we went through the sequel era for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, um, no, man, it, it really is depressing. Um, and I, we went through the I, live action era <laughs> for no reason. You think we're done? Miss Miranda I... with the live action era because look, um, but I mean gra- it's not as much as well, it was in the last decade. Hey, um, I I can totally get behind the idea that it might have even been an accident, but somehow Cruella and Jungle Cruise combined were easily some of the best um, live action output from the Disney studio since before the 2010s. Yeah. Like that was easily the best stuff that comes close because after the 2010s. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. But this is the end now. That's why, you know, for a little bit anyway, it seemed like it changed the air. But like, least we forget. Lilo and Stitch is coming. No, 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 no. That this year. Ah, oh, oh no, this is bad. It's next month. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. It's finally arrived. It's finally arrived. This is the year. We're going to get Lion King 2019. Oh, that's true. We're going to get Lion King 2019. What does that mean? We're going to be... It is going to be... An assault on the senses that there's, like, I, I, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I have the power to stop myself from watching this movie, even though I know. I, like, need to see it. Even though I know part of me will be, like, will say, maybe in, like, the initial aftermath, you know what, that wasn't that bad. It was, like... It wasn't good, but it was like, you know, what it was entertaining and everything. And then I know like not even the not even a week later I'll be like, that was dog shit. And it's <laughs> so let's it's like, not forget we were fooled by Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Alexis, I don't why did you have to bring that up? 
Why did I you have to bring that up? That. I just I always think about how happy and excited we were after that movie came out. <laughs> and and then I don't think we ever like talked about it afterwards. <laughs> Never. Not once. I mean, the only time we we did because we had to was when we did a podcast with Kyle <laughs> with Peter. <laughs> and the thing at that point is like they had they they came out on the other end. They were like hating on the movie, and then you and I. No, but it's like I to me between that and the first time I saw Black Panther um in two thousand eighteen, it felt like I was like under some kind of spell, or it was like an illusion. <laughs> Because I walk out of those movies and I'm like, oh my God, they pulled it off. It was like really nice and shit. And then how I think about both of those movies now, while understanding, of course, in the case of Black Panther, and I respect the diversity and the significance it had on black culture in America, and while that alone, what do you mean you sure. don't respect the? <laughs> the Josh Gadam. I remember being in, I was going to say about the whole thing, Black Panther, in for best picture, I don't agree with, and it, it pissed me off, but I understand why people liked it, and okay, I can respect that, if it meant that much to you. Okay, whatever. That was far from the the worst film in the lineup that year. But to what you were saying about Beauty and the Beast and Josh Gad, I can recall so vividly being in that theater, and just being so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable with like what he was doing there and just you can even feel it in the crowd and the crowd that we saw it with was just like they were fans and they were enjoying mm -hmm. the movie but when that stuff happened maybe i just i i was like hearing a deafening noise like you know that kind of sound where <laughs> You know, an explosion happened near you and your and your hearing goes like <laughs> numb for a bit. Maybe I was just hearing of that because I was just like blown away with um I I remember being like we knew that this was gonna happen and I was waiting for it. That's true. And then because it, it, Disney it, it made happened, the choice to like And I was still waiting for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Because Disney at that point they were hyping this up. They were like, hey, look at us. Clap, please. <laughs> no, genuinely speaking, um, I think if it came out today, even just a few years later, it would. And I, I, Disney did, did get dunked on. But you know what Beauty and the Be Beast didn't get? That if it if it came out today, it would get the in the heights treatment, mm -hmm. where there would be these group of people who would 
almost immediately seek to cancel the film and completely just like, because I mean, let's look in the Heights. And what I mean for people who are not aware of when in the Heights was released in early summer, 2021, you know, at that point, that was the first like season of theater going post um, the beginning of the COVID pandemic with, you know, vaccines and masks still in place and shit. Um, but uh, that movie didn't do well at all. Nobody saw that movie in theaters. And it was a big bomb. And and on top of all of that, there was this scandal that even engulfed poor Rita Moreno in all of this. Uh, that And I know that, that was... That was... That was a lot. And it was just unfortunate. And the whole thing was unfortunate. But what you saw there was, and to be clear, because I know that with every different movie that we come out, that every every movie that comes out now has like these um, ultra right white nationalist Nazi people who want to cancel, quote unquote, even though they are against cancel culture, but they're all about cancel <laughs> culture. I mean, literally, that's what they do. Because like Woman King came out, Woman King, which is a wonderful film, Viola Davis will probably get an Oscar nomination for that performance and she deserves it because she's amazing in everything in general but in that movie was was she was great but like yeah uh, a woman with black women came out and they're like well we can't have that <laughs> and then they seek to campaign against it I don't know I don't know what they think cancel culture is but that's basically <laughs> what they're doing but not to group them in with the people who had very legitimate like issues with what was happening with colorism and in the heights because uh-huh. it's a very different subsect but the point being is we're now in this highly politicized environment where films themselves now have to combat with a potential scandal or discourse broiling out while they're playing in theaters and if beauty and the beast 2017 to be clear <laughs> that's the one we're talking about <laughs> not the masterpiece that should have won best picture back in 1991 let's be real about that <laughs> Um, the first ever animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, fingers crossed, even though it won't happen, we can have the fourth ever nominated this coming week. It's not going to happen, but if it did happen, I'd be jumping oh for joy. Oh my god! I know, right? First ever stop motion, and that was the case. Mm-hmm. Back to what I was saying. If that version from 2017 came out today, I think it would get the In the Heights treatment. Where it, it, there would be hate, there would be backlash, there would be. A lot of stuff. Yeah, because like you it. said, like it did get some of it, but it wasn't as intense. No, no, not really. It kind of went away. It did. Like, it kind of was like everybody agreed. Yeah, that was not great, and then we just moved on. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, you know what? The film went on to what? Gross a billion dollars. Oh God. I completely forgot that the little movie was coming out in like a month. I know you. I, I was so surprised when you said Lilo and Stitch, which, by the way, that's also revolting. But when it comes to Little Mermaid, I know you and I have a particular like. I think I just blocked it off. We have a relationship with that film. We literally do a, a special relationship with it. By the way, um, for those of you who want to know more about that, we have a wonderful audio commentary where it's just, you know, the two Alexis's here <laughs> uh, on our channel. Uh, it's one of our favorite ones that we've done so far. Um, but yeah, of the Disney Renaissance, this has been you and I, you and I's favorite. And um, 
I guess it was it was going to happen sooner or later. But when when I say again to clear up these references, when I say Lion King in 2019, Kyle's favorite Disney Renaissance film is Lion King, and the 2019 version is trash. No, it's not. It's so much worse than that, Alexis. <laughs> Let's be fair. we got, we got to be fair to the film, um, and we got to also give John Favreau his you know his due here. The thing is, you guys. Only go through this one time. This is my second time going through this. What do you mean? With you're, Alice uh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Alice in Wonderland 2019 is not good. 2019. Did I say 2019? I mean 2010. Alice in Wonderland 2010 is not good. I would watch that a hundred times over. The Lion King 2019. Yes, true, but that doesn't make it any better. I'm not. I'm not making excuses. I'm not making excuses. But just to 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 illustrate, to paint a picture for people who are listening, The Lion King 2019 is one of the worst films ever made. It is one of the worst films ever made. And I've asked Peter, I've asked Kyle, and I've said this myself um, on the channel several times before. That film is the single worst theatrical experience of all three of us. Of all the films we've ever gone to go see, it is not only the worst, but the worst experience. I spent half of my time watching that movie looking at the ground. And then when I was, and I told this to David, when I saw Puss in Boots in theaters, they played for the first time. I was able to see on, on the big screen the um, Little Mermaid 2023 trailer. Oh my God. Okay. I couldn't see anything. anything. It was like, hey, did someone forget to actually hire a director of photography here? Like, where's the fucking lighting? It's like, it literally looks like you fucking, like, dropped a, um, a GoPro in there. <laughs> and just, like, use that footage. And, like, yeah. I get it. It's supposed to be live action. But, I mean. It's ugly. <laughs> and it's dark. And it's. Uh, pitiful by comparison <laughs> in every sense I'm, of the word. I'm already kind of blind. <laughs> oh, God. You know, when in movies, when they have, like, when they, they get a text or or they put the bubbles because they got a text, like, like, on the screen or they're looking at their phone reading the text. Yeah, I can't read that. Ever. I'm sorry. Well, I'm. I didn't hear what you said. I guess I was, because Peter is live. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading the text that Peter sent over because he's like um, reacting to Tar, the one of the awards films starring Kate Blanchett oh, directing. What the fuck was that? <laughs> in this house, I'm like, um, in this house, in this house. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But like, he's watching Tar with uh, starring Kate Blanchett directed by Todd video. Field. Which one? The trailer. No, not yet. He's watching Tar. It's a different horror movie okay, in and okay. of itself. 
it's it's not really, but it kind of can be. But like he he just tw- uh, not tweeted, but he messaged this. Jesus Christ has the writer of Tar ever heard someone under thirty speak? Because there's this sequence where she rips into like this college student, and it's so funny because is the whole thing is actually a really interesting like discussion on like it. it I guess cancel culture because it, it, it's like she's this really at the top of her powers um, film conductor, um, not film, but just like music <laughs> conductor that also does some movie scores and I guess her character. But the point is she teaches a class at Juilliard and one of the new students says like he can't listen to box music because of the person he was and she tears a new one on him about like, like it's this whole debate of like separating art from the mm-hmm. artist, which by the way, coincidentally enough, this, this week it was announced that um they're, they're going to go through with making a Michael Jackson biopic film and, you know, a la Bohemian Rhapsody and Elvis. And all I could think of was Oof. maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't, maybe Listen, we should. <laughs> I know it's controversial. I, Love Michael Jackson's music. I love. Who doesn't love Michael Jackson's music? It's amazing. There's so many things to this person that it's not okay. Like, because can you you imagine, Alexis? Can you just? I know I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but you just imagine every step of the way from the first trailer. To if it somehow ends up being in the awards discussion, can you just imagine the outrage? You know, you know what I always think about. Cause when I say that I'm a huge fan of his music, like I was obsessed with this guy. Like I want to say between like sixth grade to maybe like even sophomore year, I was. I had posters. I like I was obsessed with this person. And like I always think like when when the documentary came out that I think it was on HBO Leaving Neverland. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like things like that. Like I always think about his kids. Did you did you ever see it? No. Okay. I couldn't. Maybe don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um I that's always a, think that's about one of the hardest kids, movies. Like his actual kids, you know, mm-hmm. just yeah. like they've been through so much. Just like let it be, you know. This person did a thing, but he's also associated with another thing that you know. It's just it's not okay, and it's you know, and if there's no way that you're gonna make this movie and not include these things, you know, like there's just no way. It's literally half of his life that you know this was dealt with you know like it's (laughs) just don't do it (laughs) i that's the thing it's like as a filmmaker and if you're gonna make like a movie in the vein of bohemian rhapsody or rocket man or elvis first and foremost i've i've made no secret about this for years now this genre of movies i am sick and tired of (laughs) granted Granted, there can still be some good ones in there, like Rocket Man. And you know what? I think Elvis is really good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's one of my favorite films of the year, but I think it's really good. And I can understand why people enjoy it. Yeah. And I respect Elvis in that Mr. Um, Lerman really put his whole baz out there with like the directing. It's so in your face. Yeah. I know that that sounded gross, but like, it, that's how it feels sometimes when like, you're watching the film and it's like, dude, 
can you back off a little bit? But I almost respect, you know, the 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 um the flex that was from a mm-hmm. directing pro- uh, you know standpoint. But the struggle with these movies is. They don't when include you, the controversial stuff. Which there's is, no room to include them, and even if they do, it's handled so poorly. Yeah, I, I like. Um, I, I one of you guys said it where they talk about these people, but they talk about a specific moment in their life. Sure, that mm-hmm. gives you an idea of. Who this person was. I guess the best know. example is Spielberg's Lincoln. Yes. I think that's what you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or even being the Ricardos was a good example yes. of that one. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's like a defining moment in their life, mm-hmm. it, which, you know, they could have several, but it's sure. just a little bit of like, you know, an insight. Right, that way it's not so overwhelming where we're just like yeah. the rise and fall, the ups and like yeah. that. There's a Whitney Houston biopic out right now in theaters. Have you heard anyone no. talk about it? It's Whitney, Whitney fucking Houston. Houston. It's Whitney yeah. Houston. It's like, and that film is nowhere. And, and that just tells you it's like, well, these movies have gotten so, they, they've gotten even staler than Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Even like a what's it called, Judy? Yes, which you know. Yeah, I I that movie is more of. But it's kind of sad. It no, it is sad. I I I like Judy, but I I like it more for her for Renee's performance yeah. more so than as a movie. It's just not a movie that lights me up. Yeah, you know, it's not my preferred. But they you know, focus on a specific. Thing. Oh, that's true. That's right. Yes, that's true. You know, the, the, even a, though I, yeah. it's a sad moment and her mm-hmm. life was sad, mm-hmm. you know, but can you imagine a Michael Jackson movie focusing on a specific moment? <laughs> well, <laughs> to me, you're asking for a lot of drama that. I just want to leave in the past. I just, he's he's been dead, yes. and I'm not saying because a person is dead that means that it absolves them of what they did or that we should never discuss it again. I'm saying is it's been proven again and again there will never be consensus on yeah. how we can 100% feel about this complicated yeah. individual. Yeah. We can never know what happened. We can suspect that something's some nefarious things did happen and we can leave that um as there. fact we can leave that there but it's like it's it's so hard to talk about him and it's like and, and and to be clear like i'm one of these people like it's funny how this all just came from like a text that peter just sent about and, and when you see tar you'll see it but like i can still enjoy michael jackson's music but I'm not going to lie, it took like maybe a few months because yeah. after I saw Leaving Neverland, whenever I, I think I was at a restaurant and a Michael Jackson song came on and I'm like, mm. was thinking of the, yeah, ooh. but it, the thing is like, it was even said, I think in one interview, Michael Jackson's contribution as a musical artist is too great. Yeah. And that isn't the same thing as saying he was a stand up guy. Most people are not good people. Most In case that's people news that to you. make a contribution are not good people. <laughs> yeah. 
you know? It, it's just it's the way just, that it is. And, yeah. And, and I, is I know just, that, that it sounds like an excuse, but it's not an excuse. It's, yeah, just, no, it's, it's just reality. It's, yeah. You know, we're, I'm not saying, you know, what happened with him is something small, but, you know, everybody lives whole lives and, you know, everybody goes through stuff. Everybody does things, you know, like it's, but this just happens to be something that I don't think should be <laughs> made into a movie. <laughs> It's it, it's too problematic. It's too complicated. It's just too, it's it's kind of impossible because like I mean, there's it's a no win situation no matter what you do because yeah. are you really about to make a Michael Jackson biopic without even touching that stuff? Exactly. Because it, that's no gonna way. be there's no way. And then when you do touch it, it's like wow, <sighs> jeez. I it's a no win, and I don't I I don't understand why anybody would want to jump into that project. Yeah, I. It's yeah. a thankless job. Ugh. No, so it seems like um, that's gonna be a thing that's moving forward. And okay, I I just I I expect nothing but like really um. It's just I can already see the discourse on on Twitter. It's so bad. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be really bad. It's like you. I feel like you and I have been doing this long enough where we hear a story, and you can already hear <laughs> the train wreck when you read this story. You know how it's not the only one this week because evidently. Oh, I, I was. Hoping you would bring this up because what the hell was that? I can't even say the words. I can't even say the words because it's almost the same thing where it's like, why? This is just why? a bad idea. This is just a bad idea. <laughs> Wait, you have to say because I I hope you're talking about what I'm thinking. <laughs> Okay. Um. <laughs> Pirates what? of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. Okay, this is, is not where I thought it was going. <laughs> well, what were you thinking? No, go. Maybe it is. I think it is. Okay. I think it's the same thing. I'm. I'm just like. I like to start by giving people some background. Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales is not good. <laughs> At best, I think it's a perfectly fine <laughs> watch to have in the background, maybe while you're doing other things. Maybe not something to take too seriously. At worst, you, you can make the, the argument for character assassination in a variety of different ways. And then it's also just like, you know, bungled storylines left and right. And no one caring about the well-being of Johnny Depp because he was allowed to make that movie while being drunk off his ass. And then also in the middle of what we all now know to be perhaps the most toxic relationship ever to face the planet. Um, well, not ever, but like one of the more high publicized ones with Amber Heard and shit. So it was a nobody. He was not in the best condition to make a movie, suffice to say. But um, when it was first announced that... um. 
I think it's Yoakum. Yoakum Ronning was going to direct Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales. It was really exciting because they had, he and his directing partner had done a project called Contiki and it was received very well. And so Disney scooped them up to do the next Pirates film. And considering how poorly on Stranger Tides from a critical standpoint was received, there was the hope between, this is by the way, years and years ago, years and years ago, Kyle and I being such super Pirates fans, there was the hope both of us that this would be like the the one to turn it around. It did not. Um, the film came out and it was what it was. And well, there still haven't been any other Pirates films, perhaps for the better. Yoakum Ronning, the director of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, is currently in talks with Disney to um, direct the next Tron franchise. And I'm going to pause right there because Tron, in and of itself, is its own, has its own troubled history with Disney. Do you notice a theme here that Disney just has a particularly has a tough time getting their signature live action franchises going anywhere? And my prediction, it's not going to get any better this decade from what, what I'm looking at right here, because Tron Legacy, I think, was actually better than, than the first Tron movie from the, the 70s. Right? And I, th- I thought mm-hmm. it was actually, you know, in retrospect, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think the problem with Tron Legacy is the problem that people have now with James Cameron's original Avatar, which is the lead. Sam Worthington in Avatar was quite dull. Yeah. My personal opinion, I think he was really dynamic in the sequel. The growth that that actor had in the sequel was immense, and it changed my opinion on that character. But for the first film being what it was, it was very dull and it kind of brought everything down. And that's what happened with Legacy. You had a car- a lead that was just kind of like <laughs> white bread and milk toast and not at all very interesting, while everything else around him was so much more interesting. But then it came out of time. Just it came out, I think the timing was also wrong. There wasn't that appetite. And then it's been already been over 10 years since the last Tron movie. Okay. <sighs> but it, it is a franchise worth mining and one worth exploring. Everybody mm-hmm. sees that. Look at... um. You know, they announced the opening date to the Tron ride. Yeah, And yeah, it's the already Tron. a big hit, like, wherever the Tron ride is at. Like, and people, like, it's such a, like, a nostalgic thing that if if done right, uh-huh. it, it can work. Yeah. Except uh, we have, um, I can't, when I saw this on the timeline, I'm like, I didn't I didn't really know what to do with myself. So not only are they gonna use a director from a film I think it I, I, can we really look at Pirates of the Caribbean five and call that a success? I mean it made money. But it's pirates. <laughs> like it's yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it was always we going were, to. Yeah, it's what we were saying about the the live action stuff. You know, if you if you 
base it off of something that everybody knows and everybody yes. has memories attached to it. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to make money. Yeah. So that wasn't good. So that's already not going in its favor. Jared Leto. <laughs> This man needs to be stopped. <laughs> how does... I, you know... How does he keep... Listen, I know he, he... He won an Oscar, got nominated for an Oscar. Okay, that was a good movie. I'm not gonna lie. But, like, I feel like everything since then... Uh, it, like, nothing makes sense. It's been a, a downward trajectory trajectory where we are right now and where we are right now i mean i you would think that after 2022 that jared leto's career would be in the toilet and evidently not if this is if this is what's happening because the guy is a jinx i feel that may be a bit mean but like Every project he's on blows up, right? Like it, it, it kind of, it's a disaster. Everything he's involved with ends up bringing everybody, he, he brings everybody down with him. And I don't know, the thing is, he's not even doing it on purpose. It's just him. And it happens every time. And it's like, last year, I mean, talk about, like, embarrassment after embarrassment. Like, the guy flopped harder than anything I've ever seen. And from what I hear, anyway, one of the worst films ever made in this genre of superheroes, Morbius, a film so comically incompetent, again, from what I hear. And he topped that off with the studio being convinced that its social media presence was going to manifest in more ticket sales. It did not. And so they embarrassed themselves even further. But Jared Little particularly um, ended up being the butt of the joke even further where, and I don't know if this is, well, this has happened before. In the same awards season, he was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award and a Razzie for the same performance Mm. in House of Gucci. A performance that has been so parodied at this point, because the performance itself is a parody. It's like, again, it's that clip of like, how could you? It's a cartoon. And it's like, only Jared Leto can be nominated for that performance for a Razzie and a screen actor skill. <laughs> and it won the Razzie. <laughs> And he won the Razzie. He's got. He's now an Academy Award winner and a Razzie Award winner. Okay. That was Halle Berry. <laughs> and you know what? Halle Berry actually showed up, mm-hmm. and she she showed up in person, and she collected her award. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I wish I could have seen that. Uh, is that clip on YouTube somewhere? I want to see that. Yeah. Okay. That, that that's that seems funny, but like, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> to do that. What was the? Was it for Catwoman? Catwoman. Or, oh my. <laughs> That's so funny. We love her. <laughs> <laughs> but Jared Leto is uh, 
I'm sorry, but it's like everything he touches dies. I forgot about House of Gucci. <laughs> Did you see the movie? No. Yeah. I was kind of bummed out that you guys said it was not that great. Because I was really looking forward to mm-hmm. it. I was too. And then I was like, well, this is boring. Speaking of uh, Adam Driver, <laughs> um, I'm excited to see his new movie. Which one? The I don't even know what it's called, but he's like um, somewhere in like a different dimension or like a different planet or something like that. What's see. it called? Do you know? Let me see. It's not white noise, is it? No. Just to go back through here real quick while you're finding that. Um, yeah, the 2023 Little Mermaid is coming out. And... I had forgotten about that movie, but I'm going to be there. Yeah, I'm going to be there to watch that movie. Yes, that one. Is it 65? Is that what it's called? Uh-huh. Yes. Cannot if you haven't wait. seen that trailer, everybody, go out and watch that trailer. When when uh, I think it played for us in a movie theater, I hadn't seen it. Peter told me to pay attention. I saw the trailer and I'm like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in. This is like my mm-hmm. kind of movie. So, yes, that one looks exciting. Um, that's definitely. And it has scary dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your favorite. Oh, God. Your favorite. Um, so, uh, I, I guess like the overall thing with Jared Little being involved in that project just signals to me that, yeah, that project's dead. If that thing is actually moving forward to me, it's dead on arrival for whatever reason it is dead on arrival. Next. Thank you. Next. <laughs> I'm ready to move on. It's just like, it's, and, it, and it's upsetting because it's like, well, yeah. this is so avoidable. This is so avoidable, and yet you're gonna go like and and like hang yourselves over this. Okay, fine. This is what you want to do. Go ahead and do that. Not my problem anyway. There'll there'll be plenty of other fish in the sea, as they say, when it comes to movies. So I'm not gonna be too hung up about it. But like, mm, it's just uh, it is intellectually insulting. I would say the idea <laughs> that this is a thing that will go forward and no one can see it. Nobody involved would see it coming a mile away how bad the idea actually is. But hey, have fun getting on a cross and setting yourselves on fire. Because that's ultimately what's going to happen. Um, Yeah. Anywho. That whole situation. Um, So. The point is, overall, there's a lot of things out there. And as you can already see from this conversation, um, there's too many thoughts going through our heads at the same time to kind of like, you know, ping pong back and forth here. But since we're on the topic of um, projects that have been announced, I'll tell you one that's like, that's just a shoe in for success across the board. Although maybe not considering how some people feel like certain legends 
maybe don't seem to um, fit the bill as praising or awarding anymore. Well, more on that later. But John Williams is going to be having a documentary made about him, produced by the one and only Steven Spielberg. Everything about that is a win. (laughs) Everything about that is a win. It's like... The man is 90 years old. How has there not already been a documentary on John Williams? What? Yeah. Like the, that makes no sense to me. It does not compute. But anyway, thankfully, they're doing it. Um, you know, when you reach your 90s, you're not necessarily guaranteed to be around for much longer. <laughs> Sad to say. Although he, he and I love how in, the, in a lot of the interviews he's been given... He's given uh, on this Fableman's uh, Awards press tour. Um, he has he's determined to stay alive until at least he turns a hundred. So at least he has the spirit um, and he has the work, and he won't stop doing that. So hopefully. before before you move on, just get yeah. it to my head. Um, have you seen that trailer for Eighty for Brady? Yes, I've seen that trailer thousands and thousands of times because of every time I go to a theater, yeah, it somehow is like I actually it's had, put well, in my face. Granted, I hadn't been to a movie theater, but um, I want to see it. Like, do you that, really? That oh my so god! Fun. Excuse me, these ladies, please. Alexis, that trailer was so like. Everything about that trailer just like hurt my body. Like, really? I, you know what? I'm not gonna judge because there are things that I that I see and I'm like, you know what? That looks great. Fuck everybody else. So fine. <laughs> I'll. I'm willing to give you that. I just it's fine. love these women and I want to support. I'm not saying I don't like them. It's just that that trailer and it's it doesn't. It almost feels like a fake movie. Like is this I know. Right? <laughs> it seems so fun. Okay, you know what does seem fun to me? Then we're on the topic of um trailers. Cocaine Bear. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I really, really want to see Megan. Did you not see it already? It was a lot of fun. No. It was it was a lot of fun. I, I look, do not go in thinking it's malignant. No. It's not any, even though it's the same writer as uh-huh. uh, but it's like it's not. But it's so much fun. The the audience I saw it with was like cackling <laughs> in moments. <laughs> it's it, it's a good movie and I'm happy to see that it's been getting the success yeah. um, that I think it deserves. And I love that moment in the red carpet at the Golden Globes where like they asked Jamie Lee Curtis about like who would be like the scream queen of 2023 and she was like Basically saying, well, I think um, it's already been decided it's Megan. And she was like, she um, she has made her ho- her voice heard as she walks away from the reporter on the red carpet. So that's some pretty high praise already yeah. in itself. And just like the first like week or two of the new year. Yeah. <laughs> and then also there was this wonderful like um, tweet somebody did about like – what if they did, you know, in the 2000s, there was uh, this this, uh, this franchise, Aliens versus Predator. Uh, what if we did, um, what was it? 
Megan versus Gabriel from Malignant. <laughs> oh my god. You know what movie was playing here? And I really wanted to go see it, but I also didn't want to go by myself. Um, they were playing... I don't know if you ever saw the trailer. Uh, and I don't know why they were playing this. Uh, but it's it was a Grinch movie, but a horror one. Was that real? Because yes. I remember seeing images about that, but like they were actually there was an. It's a it, real it was movie. Playing at Harkins. Really? Yes. What was it called? Oof. Um, it was something with like the Grinch. Um. Did you see it? No, because <laughs> nobody wanted to go with me, and I don't want to. I would have gone house, with you. But you don't live here. <laughs> I didn't hear you say, hey, Alexis, come I drive up. I ask you guys can... all the time. Yes, but that's true. Fair. But maybe <laughs> you never know. I mean, how long is it? Four hours? Yeah. That's a bit of a drive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the Grinch. <laughs> it... What was it called? What was it it called? was, um, oh my God. I don't remember. What what uh, something that they say in the movie? So um, I don't remember, but yeah, I saw it on there, and it was on there for like like maybe a week, two weeks, maybe all of December actually. But yeah, that was one. That the I mean one? Like. Yes, yes. Uh huh. The mean one. Okay. Um. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I I wouldn't expect this to get good reviews, but I would yeah, be yeah. curious to see it. But it was Let like I feel like it would have been a lot of fun. Or just like, what the fuck are we watching? Type of thing. <laughs> the mean one. I wonder if there's a place I could see it online. Oh boy. <laughs> we are not equipped for this level of bad. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Anywho, um, I would have totally gone to see that because <laughs> that just seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. I wish, I wish this was playing somewhere nearby. Because, um, yeah. So this isn't like the Grinch. It's just like a, I guess, a ripoff of the Grinch. Yeah. Which I guess it makes sense. But I what just found it surprising fuck? that they were playing it at Harkins. Flip Cobbler, who is the the writer for um the script, did you see what what they did? What they what they wrote in the past? <laughs> it's funny because what I was on Letterboxd right now and I was reading some of the reviews and one of the people said, You'll never guess what this person was known for writing before this. The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Pocahontas 2, Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, and The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Interesting. <laughs> That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know what? I'd give it a whirl. Yeah, I would No, the fuck not. I would have totally gone to go see it with you. Um, 
And there are like plenty of other ones that, I mean, they're not coming to my head immediately, but there are plenty of other ones that, that are coming out at some point. But like, you know, it's just like these, these first two months, especially <sighs> these last two years, I felt like no one's wanted to release much of anything really. Maybe because this is where the Oscar season is at and everybody's like paying attention to those movies. To those. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and which I mean, I guess, but like a lot of people don't even care anymore <laughs> what the Oscars think or do. So yeah. it's like, what's the, what's even the point? But at least for me anyway, it gives me an opportunity to like catch up on a lot of the stuff that I missed from last year. Like, for instance, the 99th film I taught, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I logged just before we signed on here was called Embrace the Panda, the making of Turning Red. <laughs> it took me this long to actually see it. Oh, my God. I know. You just saw it? I just saw I it, like, today. It. it was so good. I, I literally cried so me much. Me too. It's so... The, <sighs> yes. Now you're crying. <laughs> That's such a good, like, you know, and, and Disney Plus, it should be commended that it has a, a really wonderful library of documentary stuff, but it also has its fair share of, like, clunkers in documentary. And I feel like if you watch any of, like, the, Marvel. the, the, the Chloe Zhao one, notwithstanding, because she at least keeps things yeah. interesting, all the other ones are, like... <laughs> like nothing. The only one I would say is um, Director by Night, which is the one on the making of Werewolf by Night, but not really because it's um, Director by Night is actually about Michael Giacchino mm-hmm. and his background and that he's always wanted to be a filmmaker. And half of the movie is like the movies that he made on a Super 8 camera back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by his brother. Wow. And so he, he, they go back home. They mm-hmm. they look, go through all this collection. Their parents are included. And it's just like, it's you just you get to know so much more about Michael Giacchino, who I feel like we all know in a way because of his contribution to yeah. to film is like unparalleled and, and and just like how quickly he's like rise to the top of his game as far as a composer he has written some of the most memorable pieces of music that i've ever like been involved in movies period but after all and you know what i i respect it when it comes to him like hey you got to know somebody to get you know a project like this but um, Kevin Feige, if there's one good thing you did last year was having the good sense to give Michael Giacchino a project to do. Mm-hmm. And really, like, it is presented on Disney Plus anyway as like a Marvel special presentation. But it's really a short movie. Mm-hmm. It's a short film. That's how they, that's how they, he approached it. And, like, he had directed smaller stuff in the past, including his own home movies, obviously. But, like, this stuff is his first, you would say, feature um debut and did you ever see world werewolf by night no okay if you see it it is um incredible the direction is perfect it's so good it's so good and just seeing you know this journey was just so nice so directed by night is another one of the films i recently saw and if and i think that and the chloe Zhao one are so separated from the other Marvel behind the scenes because they don't get into anything really remotely interesting. They're just like, hey, I'm an actor. You know me, guys, and here I am acting. Okay, now here mm-hmm. I am acting again. It's like, it's, it's boring. 
However, oh my goodness, embrace the panda. <laughs> it, it really just reminded me, and again, we, we dove into this in the beginning part of the podcast about how like a lot of those films didn't get a fair shake. Wow, was Turning Red really just like swept under the rug? Because this like the the key creative team were all women. All women. That never happens. Ever. Ever. <laughs> and no one cared. No one cared. <laughs> And it was like, looking back on it, turning red. Maybe it's a spoiler to say. Maybe it's not all that surprising. Turning red is going to be in my top 20 of 2022. It's so good. It's it's an it's an incredible film. It's one of the better Pixar films in in so many years. And for me, anyway, you know... Part of like what makes me have a kinship with it, not because like I mean I, I was a teenage girl or whatever, or, like I, was a, or I, was like, I was a you know a Canadian or an Asian living in Canada or Toronto or whatever. I, I wasn't any of those things, but you know what I was into, not super duper into it, but yes, I was into anime. But the fact that it's like so like you evoking. can relate to it because well, we grew up in that time, yeah. We all went through similar things. We all Mm -hmm. were awkward. We all had obsessions, uh, weird obsessions. We all had crushes. We all Uh went through body stuff, like changes. You know, we all have family struggles. We, you know, we can connect to it in like a human way. Isn't it funny how universal... You just described this film to me, and yet certain people literally like were out and proud with because like it's not about me, so I can't connect to this movie. Because it had it talked about pads. <laughs> oh that oh my The point is what I really appreciate about Embrace the Panda is that it really gave um while there, there was plenty, no, you know what, what? What makes it a great documentary is that it very much is um, almost entirely talking about how the story came about, why everything on screen is there, and even from the smallest, you know, design um, details to the larger themes and arcs, which is something Marvel can't do in their films, much lesser documentaries. Okay. But here, it's appreciated because it's on display, but it's also intertwined with the where where these creative women making this movie are at in their own lives. Mm-hmm. At the moment, seeing them become moms for the first time, or seeing them, you know, being older moms, or it's it, it's all while obviously this era of the pandemic. So it was great. All the while acknowledging yeah. that this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. That th- a group of women are making a Pixar movie, a Disney movie. Yeah. You know, and they're the leads. They're, mm-hmm. you know, the bosses. They're, you know, like, that's insane. I I loved 
I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 if you haven't seen it, people who are out there listening, go and see it. Um, but, uh, and the same goes with Director by Night. And for those of you who haven't seen Werewolf by Night, go watch that. It's so good. <laughs> um, but yeah. Real quick, I don't want to dwell too much on these, um, but I, they're both really good. I saw both Decision to Leave and Argentina 1985. Both of those are international films that are going to be nominated for awards. Argentina 1985 has already won. Um, it won the Golden Globe for Best International Film, in, and um, it's on Prime Video. And it's... I don't really know too much about the history of the politics in South America, but mm-hmm. it is wild. So I know. They, I, I feel like every time I watch a movie about it, it you're just like, wait, what the heck? Yeah. So, like, they're in the movie, this, uh, Argentina 1985, they're, like, barely out of, like, a fascist regime mm-hmm. after the military took power. And now this is the first ever big, like, the first trial of its kind since the nuremberg uh trials for the nazis after world war ii so mm-hmm. um <clears throat> it was a really good movie I uh, see it. so you should see it i think it's definitely worth a watch and then decision to leave by park chan woo um this is <clears throat> such an amazing weird love story so this is also a detective story um takes place in South Korea. The mystery, it really not is about, about a mystery. It's a love story about these two people. It's like the cop and the suspect. And the more time they spend with each other, the tension there, and it's <laughs> it's really one of the more romantic movies ever made. Um, it, it, but it's also it, it packaged in like Park Chan-woo's own uh, style, of course. Um, both of these movies are among the best movies of the year. And this is why I always say, go outside of the country, go outside of the West to find uh, movies out there. Because between Decision to Leave, Argentina 1985, um, the German remake of All Quiet on the Western Front, RRR, Mm -hmm. um, again, just truly incredible work that has been made. And again, look at, um, there was... um, Someone had posted about like the last four winners of the best international feature award. You've got Parasite, Roma, Another Round, and Drive My Car. And I know I maybe haven't seen some of those films, but like personally, those have been some of my favorite films of the last few years. So the international circuit is getting a lot of attention, and it's been getting more attention at the um, Academy overall because usually it's like one big international film. That ends up being like included some way somehow. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I, I I have to ask you though, how do you feel? Can I, I also don't even know if you've seen many of any of these movies. How do you feel about this year's award season? Have you seen any of these films? And the ones that I, to be clear, so there's everything everywhere all at once, the Benches of Inisherin, the Fablemans, Tar. I know you've seen Top Gun Maverick. That one you have seen. Um, you've seen Elvis, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, some of the other films that are involved include Avatar The Way of Water, RRR, 
um, Glass Onion, which you have seen. Uh, any other ones that I haven't already indicated you've seen? You've whale. seen. That's true. The whale is there. Yes, the whale is there. Um, you haven't seen any of these movies. No. Okay, <laughs> then you really don't care. Then <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> like, do. Like I, I want to see those movies, but for reasons we have mentioned before, I just yes. Well, it's like for me, it's like every year I, I see a lot more of the contenders, and I think this year is the first year ever where I've seen all of them. I've seen all of them, and I can tell you like my thoughts on it real quick. Um, the butt of the no, no, it's not the butt of the joke. I want to be clear because this, I want to be careful how I speak about this because um, the three films in this awards season that have gender pronouns in their titles. One gender, if we're being real, they all point to one gender, and they're all bombing in terms of awards nominations when they were assumed to get a lot. One was She Said, which was the film. It was It's basically Spotlight, but with Harvey Weinstein. Then is Women Talking, which is about these, like, pioneers. Mm-hmm. Not pioneers. Yeah, like these, I, I've seen the trailer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, it's hard to describe, too. And then there's also The Woman King. Mm-hmm. And all three of those films. No. Anyway, they're not they're basically they've gotten some nominations here and there but uh, my controversial take is i i don't think those three movies are the best films but i know that there, there's this whole thing going on where and by the way alexis just get ready because there's a rant i'm gonna unleash so just but that's <laughs> not even here it's just, just like the the appetizer for it but There are no women being nominated for Best Director this year, anywhere. And there will be no woman nominated for Best Director come Tuesday for when they announce it. And I understand that's shitty. And I understand that's a bad look. But, like, a lot of the people who are complaining about that are like, well, what about Sarah Polly for directing Women Talking? Clearly, everybody, but everybody sees something in that movie that I don't. I've seen Women Talking. And I think it is aggressively fine. Like, fine. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not particularly great. But just in that middle zone. And if I feel like a jackass saying that I'm... And to be clear, I'm a guy. So maybe there is something to be said about that. And maybe my opinion not meaning as much as, you know, women. I don't even know if that's the thing. But the thing is, I, I, I don't particularly feel that that movie warrant any kind of meaningful awards consideration Mm -hmm. that being said there are plenty of people who feel the same way about any number of other films myself included with with any of the other years so it's fair that always is going to happen but it's like i i i I get it but i also get annoyed by it because like i get that we should like look for more inclusion but it's like when the when the when the output is so clearly not on the same level as the other nominees or potential nominees, the idea that we need to make room for at least one of mm-hmm. the female directors to get in there over someone who I think universally is looked at as 
making a far superior movie, it it comes to a place where it's it feels even more inauthentic than sometimes mm-hmm. the overall academy can feel with you know a lot of the realities that are tied with them. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, um, the last two years, granted, of course, they were like the second or third or fourth, whatever it was, but we had two years in a row where women won director of the year. Uh, Jane Campion won for Power of the Dog, and then the year before that was Chloe Zhao for... um, uh, Nomadland, and that happened not just at the Oscars, but also at the Golden Globes, and um, and it didn't main... feel like a like a pity win. Those didn't feel like pity wins. Yeah, no, they were like legit real wins. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think by that even happening, there's been substantive changes even in the last few years. The thing is this: I feel like throughout awards season, every year. There are people who single out the Golden Globe Awards as being uniquely corrupt and hideous and removed from the overall branches. Mm -hmm. Forgive me if I get into some like jargon here or like lingo as far as like this world is concerned, but I have to make this case. A lot of the, the issues that people have with the HFPA, the people who are on the Golden Globes as an organization, are the same issues that exist at all the other circuits. They're there to begin with. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, like, a lot of people, like, calling the Golden Globes corrupt, you know, the, the big joke was, like, they, they nominate the movies from stars they want at their party. Yes, it it can be that way, and... Years and years ago, it was very overtly that way with The Tourist, the Johnny Depp film that was so infamous where even Ricky Gervais is like, what the fuck are you doing here in this opening <laughs> monologue? Um, that was what the Glo- the Globes were out and proud for doing it. But I always respected them because they, they knew what they were and they never hid it a secret. Whereas everybody else hides behind this like veil of authority when really deep down, when you think about and look at all of the ways films even get to the nominations board, or even to the actual wins. I don't understand how you're somebody that covers the awards season and doesn't point out the hypocrisy. How can you say that the HFPA is any more corrupt than the Oscars? You want examples? Okay, well, you have a director's branch that consistently um, snubs actor-turned-directors because it is an un- a very well-open secret that um, the director's branch do not take well to actors trying to become directors, as in they should stay in their lane. Mm-hmm. How, what is an example of this? Bradley Cooper was not nominated for Best Director for A Star is Born. He probably should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Affleck was not directed for Argo when he was winning everywhere else and won Best Picture yeah. as a result of that. So that was ridiculous, you know? Um, the documentary branch are fucking idiots where they're like, I'm sorry that's rude, but like it is and and this is where it gets grating. The Oscar pundits themselves say this every year. We all know that their branch, they every year snub the film they perceive to be in first place. Because? Because. Won't you be my neighbor was the most successful documentary film of all time. 
And it was snubbed largely because, well, it was too successful. <laughs> the same, and again, different branches, but you see the same patterns. Yeah. In the visual effects branch, they were outraged that Ex Machina from 2015 won visual effects because it was like, it wasn't so obviously a visual effects movie. And so what did they do? They rewrote the rules to have a that in in a way that in the future years there was a bias toward bigger films, which is why you always see the Jurassic World movies in there. The same Academy that nominated movies like Bohemian Rhapsody, Joker. Anything by Adam McKay. <laughs> Don't Look Up, which is nominated just last year. The same Academy that went with Coda over literally anything else last year. This is where it bothers me. It's like, hey, look, where I've always defended the HFPA is that they know how to run a fucking award show. And the Oscars don't know how to do an award show to save their lives. Every year, it's a fucking disaster. Last year was a whole... There was a whole bunch of things. It wasn't just a fucking slap. That was out of their control. But the biggest is... The, they fell flat on their face when they pissed everybody off and they said, you know what? We're going to cut eight categories out of the award show to bad. save to save time. And you know what? It was the single longest Oscars broadcast since I've been watching it. Four and a half hours long. It was even longer. It wasn't a whole hour longer than the previous year. <laughs> like, they're bad. And the thing is, they waste so much time at the Oscars with, like, SNL-like comedy sketches that nobody likes and nobody finds funny. And you know what the Globes do? They don't even bother with that. Yeah. They don't waste... You know what? If you watch the Globes, and I know you watched some of them, and thankfully you, you skipped the horrible host and monologue, but after he was out of the way with it, it was fine. The Globes were mostly just presenting awards mm -hmm. and people making wonderful speeches. Yeah. And if I may, I want to read off because I think they've gotten so much better at the people they've been awarding. And this year, I think, was an extraordinary. It was so um, good. It was an extraordinary list of winners just on the film side. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio won animated feature. Not to, not to the song from RRR. Mm -hmm. Whoever would have guessed that I would have stood a chance with them. They won best international best song over people like Taylor Swift and um, Rihanna and The you Weeknd and Lady Gaga. Good for them. Good for them. Best score. Justin Hurwitz collected his fourth Golden Globe um, for writing the music for Babylon. He previously won for <laughs> First Man, La La Land, and Whiplash. No one's going to argue with that. That was a great win. Um, of course, Kate Blanchett is amazing in Tar. I've seen Tar, and I can speak for the fact that if that were to win Best Actor at the Academy Awards, I think it's rightfully deserved. I'd still be upset because I prefer somebody else to win, but she deserves that award if she were to win it, and she deserved it here. Um, even, and granted, you can make this case here, and maybe I can, I'll circle back to Angela Bassett, but that was surprising, and that was interesting to see, and that was different. At least it was a different thing. That was the thing about the Globes, that, and the thing about these people in general that I think dismissed the Globes too much is the, the Globes at least indulge us with different winners, whereas everybody else just wants to copy the Oscars or predict where the Oscars are going. Here, they were like, you know what? Why don't we just pick the people we like? 
<laughs> and it makes for an interesting season when you have different winners, <laughs> you know? And so nobody was expecting Angela Bassett, but of course, as soon as she wins, everybody's predicting her. And you know what other organization irks me that they somehow end up getting a pass for some of the similar practices they do is the Critics' Choice Awards, which were just, you know, last Sunday. Mm -hmm. They're so shameless because last year they gave Kristen Stewart every award for Best Actress as she rightfully deserved it. But you know what? They didn't give her, when it came to the actual ceremony of the Critics' Choice Awards, they didn't give her Best Actress. Why? Because just the week before, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, they were actually first last year because of the whole Globes being canceled for a year situation. So they were first last year, the SAG Awards. And they gave them, they gave Jessica Chastain the award for Best Actress, not Kristen Stewart. So in an attempt for the organization to come off as if they're important in the awards season, they went against... What we all knew was their pick, considering that Kristen Stewart all over the country won the critics' mm -hmm. prizes. And then they gave it to Jessica Chastain. And then guess what happened? Jessica Chastain ended up being the frontrunner at that point, and then she won the Oscar. It was game over. The critics stabbed Kristen Stewart in the back. And she should have an Oscar right now. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't. For Spencer. So... How is that any more egregious than what the Globes have done in the past. How are any of the tendencies that the Oscar voters exhibit every year, how is that any worse than what the Globes have done in the past? I just, I really question the people who, and it annoys me because the Globes did such a good job of picking winners this year. And there were a lot of pundits that I liked, like Perry Nemiroff, that were like, like laughing, like saying, why are we even talking about them? Like, what does that award in their hand even mean? Yeah. And it's like, what do, what does any award even mean, girl? Like, <laughs> honestly. But like, but she doesn't feel that way. She obviously feels that all the other awards, like Critics' Choice or SAG or Oscars, mean something, whereas the Globes don't. Even though they all have the same practices. Now, I want to be clear. Did the Globes deserve to be canceled for a year for what happened? Yes. Because that controversy was bad. Them not having a single black member in their group is bad. When they're an supposed to be an international organization, that was terrible. And they deserve what they got. But no one wants to talk about what they did to change themselves. Well, they used to be a voting body of like 80 people. They added in over 100 new voters this year. 100 new voters. Um... Not all of color, but I would say mostly of color from different parts of the country. I mean, of the world, I should say. And they're now, I think, considered a nonprofit organization. They've done a lot. And even on top of that, on top of all of that, they hired a host. How could they not? Ha and they allowed him to say the things that he said about them in a way that came off as less of a roast and more of an effigy. Like the, he, they allowed him to basically destroy the name of their organization even further. And it wasn't even funny. I personally don't think it was funny. It was not funny. Um, I feel they've, they've done enough at least to justify this year coming back. And you know what? 
I hate that the year the Globes were canceled, the Globes were literally the only people <laughs> to recognize West Side Story last year. Because they still they still had awards last year, but they weren't televised. But they gave West Side Story Best Picture Music or Comedy last year. But guess what? It didn't really happen because they didn't really see it. <laughs> of course, of all the years, that's the one where I... <laughs> That would happen. And, you know, going back to like what, you know, Kihi Kwan, of course, for Everything Everywhere Best Supporting Actor. Austin Butler won for Best Actor in Elvis for the the drama. I mean, yes, Fraser wasn't probably going to win here because of past the stuff past. that happened. But it was nice to see Butler be up there. Mm-hmm. You think it's the thing? I think it's nice to see people go up and get an award that probably probably are not going to win the actual Oscar. That way, they give him a chance to get some recognition. Yeah, like like um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Not winning the overall picture or screenplay or director here. I don't think means all that much because I feel like there's a great chance it's gonna win all three of those things at the actual Oscars. I don't think it's a slam dunk yet. Yeah, but it's a good chance it might win all three of those. And with the Globes, they went with Steven Spielberg and then with Martin McDonough. Both people who consistently turn in great work, but are hardly ever given a moment to be recognized Mm -hmm. for what they've given. Like, for example, last cycle, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, wasn't even like, um, it was considered like a, a contender, but like, they snubbed Martin McDonough for director. Okay. <laughs> that was a whole different thing. But like, you know, I I recognize that like the, the Spielberg movie, The Fablemans is not necessarily like a front runner to win any longer. I feel like, I think it still has a shot depending on if certain things go a different direction. But like for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just so happy. I at least got what happened at the Globes. Like, it winning director, particularly and picture, I was able to see him finally go up on that stage and get an award for a movie he made. Anywhere. I would have last year if they didn't have a with my side story, but like the thing is, I finally got to see him collect something that I feel he is deserving of over other people who are definitely deserving. It probably won't get repeated at the Oscars, but you know what? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with these awards groups picking different winners. That's why I was like, you know what? We They were the first awards show of the season, and they picked both Fablemans and Banshees of Sharon, which I don't think is a secret at this point. I think what makes it even more sweeter to me, they're among my favorite movies of the year. You know what else is also my favorite movie of the year? Everything, everywhere, all at once. And if it ends up winning the awards that it may, in fact, win at the Oscars, this would go down as easily for me, my favorite award season in these 10 years that I've been watching them, because, like, basically three of my favorite films of the year were, like, big winners Mm -hmm. overall. And I'm a fan of people sharing the love around when it comes to, like, I think, um, the level of output that we're having here, like... The only no, I'm I'm going to say like I don't think there's any there's even an outright bad movie, like there have been in other years. Like, do you remember that Joker got eleven nominations? Oh my god, 
That's so many. That's way too many. Joker, it got more nominations than the Martin Scorsese movie out that year. The Irishman. Joker got 11 nominations and it won two. It won score and it won actor. The fact that it... When Heath Ledger didn't even win actor. Oh my God. And Robert Pattinson sure as hell is not going to get any love this year. Oh the Batman God. is not going to get See, much love. The Batman why... overall. <laughs> I, I know I haven't seen any of the other movies, but Batman is easily like my favorite movie of the year. Oh my God, it's so good. The fact that it's not getting anything. Oh my God. Are you joking? I want to shout out, though, um, the Gold Derby Awards. Now, Gold Derby is known as like the premier website um, for all of the people who like to predict these awards to go and have a community and like place their predictions. But they also give out their own like they've been doing it for like 20 some years now and they also do their own nominations. They're the only people to nominate the Batman for Best Picture. The only people for Best Picture. That movie has gotten it pisses me off too because like it's gotten so left behind where so many other blockbusters have actually broken through. The Producers Guild of America included Black Panther Wakanda Forever in their oh, top please. ten. I, <laughs> oh my god. And there are people who are thinking because and the producers were only the they were the only ones to do this. There are people right now who have Wakanda Forever in their Oscar predictions for getting a Best Picture nomination because of that. And we could see an un... And you know what? I, I would actually respect it in this sense. Between Wakanda Forever, Top Gun Maverick, and Avatar, that's like three big sequels, three big blockbusters nominated for Best Picture in one year when, at best, they only get one. So in that way i'll respect it where i won't respect it is and i don't mean to stomp all over wakanda forever because i enjoyed the film i did too but, but come on come on <laughs> the batman the batman what are you doing what are you doing like Luckily, it looks like at the very least, Greg Frazier, the director of photography, is going to get nominated for cinematography. It should win, if I we're being will. honest. But like, hopefully, fingers crossed, he gets the nomination. But you know who's not going to be included in nominations? Michael Giacchino. For score, in case people forgot that he wrote the amazing score to that movie, which is basically an anthem at this point. I can mm -hmm. hum it like all day long. What the hell? And like, <laughs> I get like the actors aren't probably going to get nominated. I don't know. Sure. I just want something. Yeah, but you <sighs> know, the actors for Top Gun and um, Avatar are not going to get nominated and they're going to be included. Yeah, no, the, it's fine. I just wish that people would talk about it more. Yes, yes. It like, deserves it. The Batman should be treated like Dune was last year. Yes. It's yes. that level of quality. It really is to me. And it's like it, it getting left behind in this conversation is um weird. 
It Especially is. when like Batman movies have done so well in the past with these people. Like, yeah, The Dark Knight got all the nominations, didn't win anything, I don't think, but it got those nominations. And um well I guess if if Joker oh getting eleven exactly, nominations exactly. eleven nominations. Oh my goodness. How ridiculous. <laughs> I can't and and you know what? I remember thinking also like when I saw this movie, and it but it also can't even be like an excuse because if uh, anywhere, everywhere, all the time, whatever. You mean everything, everywhere, all yes. at once? Came out around like the same time. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not obviously being forgotten. No, but when Batman came out, I'm like, like this needs to be nominated for I don't know what anything but it's not going to be because it's mm-hmm. so far out. It it's also strange because everything everywhere all at once is not at all the kind of movie the Oscars like or go for usually. Batman is more along mm-hmm. with what they usually nominate, but everything everywhere is not at all. So the fact that it's like this powerful I mean Again, I, I, I did mention the Critics' Choice Awards. <clears throat> it swept the Critics' Choice Awards a few days ago. It got Best Picture. It got Best Director for Daniel D- Director Director for Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. It got Best Supporting Actor for uh, Ki Ki Kwan. It even got Best Editing and Best Screenplay. So the critics loved this movie. And by the way, while we're on the critics, at least this is why I love them getting different winners because we got to see. Brendan Fraser go up there and collect his award for best actor for the whale. And um, he's just a big old teddy bear. And like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever, I've ever rooted for anyone more to get an Oscar than him. And the performance speaks for itself. Deserves, 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 deserves. No question about it. Like, that is the definition of an actor putting his all into a performance, and that's what he did, and he's also a guy that's well overdue. And what's also really heartwarming about this award season it is that it's filled with winners and potential winners who are overdue. Not just Fraser, but then also both um, Michelle Yeoh and Kihi Kwan. Mm-hmm. Kihi Kwan's speech at the Globes oh, made geez. me tear up. All of them. All, all of the speeches were so good. that. Yeah. that Honestly, even Jennifer Coolidge, I was like, oh. I was surprised, right? Like, you know, Jennifer Coolidge is so hilarious and everything. I, I appreciate her existence. Don't get me wrong. And she's always funny. But even her speech when she uh, won. Yeah, because she's also in line with that kind of actor that has just been overdue and neglected. Her collect her collecting the award for the White Lotus. And then like, you know, basically like complimenting uh i believe it's mike white the mm-hmm. the the person behind the show and then like him obviously he was really drunk at that point mm-hmm. and when you're drunk you get emotional but he was like literally like tearing up on live tv because of the nice things that she was saying about him on stage and it was just like oh my god it was a really like heartwarming night all was, around yeah. you know it was these speeches are ultimately even like the spielberg him saying like hey you know what like it it I've been hiding from the story my whole life. I literally have been. And it took me this long to finally process what I went through and to say that it's not easy being a kid. It's not easy also being thought of of this success story. And, it, it, and no one really knows who you are until you're finally ready to say that 
And it was just really empowering. And you can tell for him, it was really important as well. Like he's a guy I think people take for granted so often and for so long. Yes, he's one of the more noteworthy filmmakers that ever was. I understand if people feel like when they watch The Fablemans, and I, I know I've been saying this every podcast because I, 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 I see two different um, camps here. People who watch the film and like are absolutely in love with it and relate to it and see themselves in it and why they love movies and the power of them. And then I also see people who watch the film and they're like, it was nice. Okay, but I have problems with Michelle Williams's performance. It seemed a bit cartoonish or over the top. I have problems with... um the i guess the family life being a part of it and i guess i wanted to see more of the movie and how that's so dumb i know like i i i'm really curious to see how you guys feel about it because Mm -hmm. like uh in general i think it's a it's a well-liked movie i think it's liked enough that it's gotten all the nominations and wins that it's gotten kyle liked the film for what and peter liked the movie as well but he had his own issue that obviously it was on the podcast and then for me it's like i i um what's it called i i've had my own journey with the film it's like when i saw it the first time i liked it it was great um didn't love it until the second or third time and then of course you know the whole thing went off from there but like to me to see my favorite director finally win something i think it felt really and i want to there was a detail i didn't mention (laughs) that day well it was i can't even tell you the day it was january 10th it was a tuesday um that day that he won earlier in my day job um in language arts, because I teach in my day job, um, fourth graders that day, that whole week anyway, the story of the week, as we call it, um, felt very much like social studies. And so that's up my alley for sure. Mm-hmm. The story was about the life of Abraham Lincoln. It was about the life of Abraham Lincoln. And if people are like not clicking that connection, (laughs) that's where all this came from. That's where Lincoln, directed by Steven Spielberg, was the first movie that got me interested in basically this whole world. Mm -hmm. All of it. Not just particularly the awards circuit aspect of it, but just generally. So that was the first movie I was so passionate about as like a young adult. And wanting to, like, know much more about it. And it was the first movie that got me into the awards. And guess what? That was, like, that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was 10 years ago. And so it felt, weirdly enough, like it was a full circle moment, you know, in a way. Where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, the guy that made a movie about Lincoln that sparked this passion in movies and then, the, and then like, the awards, 10 years later, wins an award. For a movie he's made on the day that I teach about Lincoln. That's like, okay, that's too perfect. And I love it. <laughs> and um, um, you know what was hilarious though? And I'm sure you can you could guess this a mile away. You have no idea how uh how into it I got <laughs> while reading that story to them. I was like so <laughs> passionate about it. And like I was even like taking stops 
I didn't even care what was on like the d- directions. I was doing my own thing. I was like stopping because in the story, they're fourth graders. Keep in mind, there were like direct quotes from Abraham Lincoln, and like they me. spoke, <laughs> they spoke differently back then. So I like had to like stop and like explain to them like what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, they they got a lot of it. They were smarter kids, <clears throat> but it was like I was I was like I had to like catch myself for a moment there like i was like getting really passionate mm-hmm. about it and it was like oh man it, i was like lydia tar in in tar um because it was like her character kate blanchett's character in that movie is so into like her orchestra and there's like a scene where she's just like doing all this and she's like stopping herself and she's like feeling every sound of it mm-hmm. it was so nice um Overall, the night was filled with such wonderful speeches. Um, it was just great to see the Banshees of Inisherin be recognized as well. Um, you haven't seen that movie, I, I imagine, but that's such a weird, quirky film in and of itself. But then also, it's just so weirdly profound because it's about people who lose touch with each other after being friends for so long. And I know for me, I'm not. I'm not thinking of the same person you might be thinking of because ultimately, the ending is not as definitive as you would think it would be from the beginning part of the movie but like i definitely saw myself and some of the relationships and friendships that i've had in my life um put up on the screen like that in a really interesting way and what it had to say about it um now that's the film side of it like we you mentioned jennifer coolidge i was so happy to see her win and just people loving her in general i think um she's amazing and she's great on stage she's hilarious and emotional at the same time um, but least we forget some of the other winners, which were, um, first of all, Abbott Elementary. Have you seen Abbott? Abbott? No, but I've heard a lot about it. My brother keeps telling me to watch it. Again, talk about things coming full circle. <laughs> this is the year where I've decided that I want to pursue teaching for my career. And guess what comes out? <laughs> a comedy mockumentary show about teachers that work at a um, low-income school. And a lot of the humor is like, yeah, I think I've literally lived this. (laughs) I've lived through this exact thing. And I love all the cast and to see them win. Mm -hmm. They won big, too. They won big. It was Tyler Williams. He won. Um, So did Quinta. She won for just her acting. Because she's like um, like Dan Levy – in Schitt's Creek, where she's like the main character and then also the main writer of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one who pitched it. And I, I love how she, and then also Mike White, who won for the White Lotus, when they were accepting their award, they were like, by the way, I see all you guys in the audience that pass on this project. And they were like rubbing the <laughs> the award in their faces. That was nice to see. That's funny. What was another nice speech, though? actually kind of like powerful in a way that I wasn't expecting. Did you see Ryan Murphy's speech? I thought about you guys that whole time because I literally was like, they probably are hating all of this. <laughs> I don't hate Ryan Murphy. I, I don't hate I, I don't hate Ryan Murphy. Peter hates Ryan That's, Murphy. Okay. But some I, I, you, never, I know some of you did. And I was like, I've yeah. never hated Ryan Murphy. I've, I, I, I'll admit to it. I, I loved Glee. I love <laughs> I mean, Glee. I, I love Glee. It's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Cause like, I, I feel like Glee was a big show for me back when it was on. Glee? Well, literally. Yeah. I mean, 
Say what you want about the show, yeah. but Glee sure. opened up the doors for a lot of things. Yes. And I think, it, yeah, I agree with you completely. That's why I, 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 I never saw how it ended. But like for me, I think I dropped off the show after the, the Corey Monteith mm-hmm. episode. The, oh, the, a lot of people that was, did. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of how you would expect it to be. But I, I, I loved the show. I never really got too much into any of other of the projects that Ryan has, you know, produced. I love the Versace one. The Versace one. He did ones. the O.J. Simpson one too, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that one was the, good. Betty and Joan, right? Is that what it was? Betty with uh, Susan Sarandon and some, and uh, was it Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon? He did a lot of. He's done a lot of shows. I know. He just had a big hit last year with Dahmer. Yeah. Um, That was, and the thing is, like, he won. He he was given the the Carol Burnett Award, which is has been given to people um, for excellence in television, like Ellen DeGeneres and um, uh, Carol Burnett and other people before her. But like, and you may think that Ryan's a bit young for like. But he's done so much. But. He, I think the work speaks for itself, yeah. and you can, and you, and, oh, pose, pose, pose uh-huh. with, uh, and you had freaking, um, American Horror Story. I mean, come yes. on, you had, um, what's his name go out there and, and, and like introduce him? I think, what was his name, Billy Porter? Uh huh, Billy Porter. He's so, um, he's such an interesting person. Um, he actually, I mentioned in the last podcast, I watched like a Mariah Carey like Christmas special. Mm-hmm. He had a performance there, Billy Porter, mm-hmm. of, I don't. I need to go look it up, but he was he was so good. He was such a great performer. But you know what I loved about that speech? It really wasn't about himself. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like he he fully put the spotlight on uh, somebody that he took that one last year, but didn't get a chance to do to do anything. The first, I think, the first openly trans actress uh-huh. to win a Golden Globe ever, and it was overshadowed because it wasn't televised, mm-hmm. and so. But it wasn't just her thing. Like, all of the people who he's worked with, mostly LGBTQ, yeah. you know, um, basically were like going into their history and how, you know, and it, it was just a whole. You got a, a very, I don't really know Ryan Murphy all that well, but the what I so appreciate about that speech was um, it was about himself, but it wasn't really in that like. Yeah. These were he these were careers who he, uh he's had a hand in in promoting and and he he's a, he's a trailblazer because he didn't have these things. He didn't have these people these to look up to when he yeah. needed it as a young boy. And because of his work, a whole new generation of young lgbtq people can look up to all of these performances and see such power and humanity behind them mm-hmm. and reverence behind them in a way that wouldn't be possible if not for ryan murphy he and i you know glee's a big part of it but so yeah. have so are so the other shows but he and glee are i would say key were key in changing the hearts and minds of a lot of people yeah. in the time that it was airing I I agree. Like, Glee was so big. Mm-hmm. And, again, say what you want about the show. It's a show sure. about people in high school mm-hmm. being losers or seen as yeah. losers, mm-hmm. wanting to be in Glee Club, yeah. you know? But it's also about a group of people that don't belong together that 
become family and Mm -hmm. you know most of the time most of them were being bullied but you know each for individual reasons and it and again it opened the doors for a lot of things like it, it i remember like when it was airing like you know the conversations around the show and just everything that came after that like glee was such a game changer yeah yeah and 10 years later with that speech that ryan murphy gave it's in moments like that that it really reminds you that maybe more on on the lesser end of it yes you're reminded of the power that you know movies and tv can have on the world but more importantly than that to than that is in the midst of so much bleakness that we see on a day-to-day basis these last few years it's a reminder of how far we've come mm-hmm. in just a short amount of time and how further we can go in an even shorter amount of time in the future if we're allowed to mm-hmm. have that time it's, it was just really hopeful yeah and optimistic again you could see for the people who were in, in attendance like uh bill porter or or matt bomber in, in particular uh who he shouted out in mm-hmm. his speech that were just like even though they 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 hit it rather well, you could see the emotion in their faces. Yeah. Like the power of this moment can't really be under uh, overstated. I would say. Um. So yeah, great speeches, and then to top it off, the surprise of the night. Um. Even though I believe the individual um uh, drama awards for acting went in different directions. I think one went to Ozark. And I forget which other one it went to, but um, House of the Dragon winning best drama series that was in its hilarious. first year. <laughs> they literally were like, what? <laughs> What's happening? There were three of them there. Of the whole cast, there were just three of them there. I saw a tweet that was like, <laughs> three people from game from House of the Dragon attended the Golden Globes. While Matt was in Mexico? Please. And you know what? I thought, um, wasn't, what's his name? The dad, the king, wasn't he nominated as well? Patty Considine? Yeah. Um. No. No, he wasn't nominated. But I I, I, I remember hearing that he did get nominated somewhere, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Cause I know I, I I it, I mean maybe it wasn't this, but I maybe it was the Emmys. I don't know, but I remember seeing something that, uh, the King and uh Emma Darcy got nominated, mm-hmm. and not Olivia Cook. Yeah. But all I know I is HBO better roll out the fucking awards campaign because I better see all those people's names included. I want to see Olivia <laughs> Cook, Emma Darcy, um. What's your name? Ellie Alcock? Is it or mm-hmm. um and of course Matt Damon and most importantly of all, Patty Considine. Mm-hmm. We better see those people get the right uh, awards campaigns for sure. Um, but it really does, I feel kind of make the the statement that across the board, TV and movies, I can't think of a better year. Mm-hmm. I can't the, think the of a better year when both of them. Which, Which would one? be controversial is the Zendaya win. Oh, I don't, oh there. Thank you for reminding me. That's the one I blocked out. <laughs> That's the one I blocked out because um, 
Because she didn't just win there, she also went to win that same award at the Critics' Choice a week later, and I'm like, mm. we don't need to be awarding Zendaya all the time. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I don't hate Zendaya. I like Zendaya a lot. I, I haven't seen Euphoria, so I can't speak to her performance on that show. But I mean, you're telling me that you couldn't have given it to, I don't know. Imelda Stanton isn't somebody who I think of as one that's been recognized all that often. Why not give it to her for the crown? <clears throat> and I think you and I maybe are in the minority, Alexis, where we actually really liked season five because a lot of people you've seen. I, I, I've seen some people describe mm -hmm. the season as like meh or I think soft. people were just expecting to see a certain thing. Or we're expecting it could be it that. this season. Yeah. I didn't think that it was going to happen this season no. at all. Um, like, but, I, I would have been yeah. very surprised if we would have seen it. I feel like both things can be true at the same time. I think you and I are on the same page that it wasn't as good as season four. What can be really at this yeah. point? Because that season was amazing. But was it a great season of The Crown? Oh, yes, it was. It was amazing. <laughs> There was I, I remember specific I think the the tampon episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh god, I I I and you know what? When I was watching it, I completely forgot about that because I knew that that mm -hmm. had happened. Right. And then it was happening, and I was like, "Oh no, no!" Oh, also, did you see? Um, because uh, Prince Harry has been doing interviews for the book release that he had. Did you see uh -huh. that they talked about the crown? I, I forgot which host you it was. You share that clip with me. I think he was talking oh, yeah, with yeah, either, yeah. either... I think it was Stephen Colbert, wasn't it? Yes. It was it uh -huh. Stephen Colbert, yeah. Uh, and he was asked if he watches the crown. And he was going on this answer of like, well, this here and that there. But yeah, I watched it. <laughs> Because it gets like, and that if he fact yeah. facts, uh, he yeah, he fact checks yeah, yeah, yeah. to see if it is That's of funny. what. I'm gonna be doing the same thing. You know, The Crown's an amazing series. I, I mentioned it to you, but maybe the listeners may not be aware of this. I, in the last month, I've been rewatching The Crown from the very beginning. So, I ju actually just finished the third season, and in my estimation, I think a lot of people are of the view that season one is still the best one. If you feel that way, that's fine. I actually think season three mm -hmm. is pretty fucking amazing. I, it's kind of I underrated. Honestly, I feel like I can't decide because I, I love all of them. And then there's like certain episodes in each season that I'm like, oh I my know, God. I know. In yeah. a way that yeah. we're seeing this. <laughs> like what? <laughs> but you know what really reminded me? It's like, I know some people might hear me and like, Usually, I, I'm more sympathetic toward Charles than anybody else. But, like, it's because of, honestly, Josh O'Connor. It's because of his performance in, in in particular before Diana even comes into the picture in season three. And how horribly he's treated. It broke my heart. The last time we see him, I think, in, in the third season is he's being shipped away while they marry off Camilla to somebody else. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's cross-edited with, like, um, Elizabeth and Philip celebrating their, like, wedding anniversary and her talking about, like, the the value of finding that important partner in life and then it just, it just cu cuts to baby Josh, like, mm -hmm. crying. 
It's so good. I love it. I'm just saying right now, like, um, Josh O'Connor really deserved that Emmy that he won yeah. for for playing Charles. He he was fucking amazing. <laughs> like almost for me, like the first episode he had, mm-hmm. the first, I think it was when um they sent him off to go like learn Welsh. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of an introduction. And this show has so many like side act characters that with big actors. I know in season five we mentioned that Timothy Dalton came back. Well, not came back, but played a character that was returning from the first season. Um, what's his name? Uh, group Captain Townsend. Um, in that season, Charles Dance was incredible mm-hmm. as Uncle Dicky, like basically the father figure to um to Charles. Um, I also really liked Harold Wilson, the the prime minister of that season. I think to me, like, I don't know what it is about him, but, and I don't, do you think Peter Morgan, the person that writes this show, do you fight, do you think he's like, he's a lefty? Because I feel like Harold Wilson, more than any of the other prime ministers was portrayed to like, to be the one with the most heart. And he was like, like the only labor party prime minister that I think she ever had. Mm-hmm. Well, not ever, but like one of like two only that she ever had. Because the other prime ministers, like not Churchill and Thatcher got a lot of great showcases, but he was very critical, rightfully so, of Thatcher. And in some mm-hmm. instances, like, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Churchill, Alexis, it, it, it didn't, I forgot about it. <laughs> But I, I can think of like three times in the course of the history that's in the crown where conservative administrations fuck something up mm-hmm. that leave that leads to like lives being lost. Yeah. Like Churchill and the whole smog situation that he yeah. ignored all of those things. And then it came to his successor, which was Anthony Eden, that started off a war mm-hmm. because he hated the the Egyptian president, I think. And then from there it went to he was in there for like one or two episodes tops. The guy that was that replaced Wilson for like a hot minute, uh-huh. Heath, he was like so cold. And so like he was like he shut down power <laughs> for like weeks on end because he couldn't give like the strike people what they you know the basic necessities and then well there's Thatcher oh and and I forget about during Wilson's um prime ministership was the whole Aberfan uh-huh. thing that but that wasn't at all the labor party's fault that was the conservative party's fault i i mean it's amazing can, how many can, times in history this happens yeah you can make like an argument of both Sure. Um, I mean, you could say he's a monarchist at heart. You could say that. Yeah. The, the British nationality is so imbued with the monarchy. Uh-huh. It's, you know, you could say that. It's. Mm. They got their own little thing going yeah. on. There. That's for sure. <laughs> um, speaking of the British, seeing how they don't like to show emotion and them being cold sometimes makes me understand what they did to Steven Spielberg and the Fiddlemans. I don't know if you know about this, but like the British obviously have their own Oscars, their own Academy. They're called the BAFTAs. And they 
only nominated the film for one award, which was Best Screenplay. But we all knew that was going to happen. At least I knew because it wasn't even, it wasn't even long listed. They have this whole jury system where they pick out like they they have like some categories they have to put like half the number of women as there are men. Like they have the whole jury committee, which is fine. That's their own thing. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's a bad look when you can't find a place for Steven Spielberg when you release the names of 16 directors on your long list. <laughs> and it's like, if you dig into the history, the Baptists haven't liked Steven Spielberg for a long time. They didn't nominate him for West Side Story last year when everybody else did. They didn't nominate him for Lincoln when everybody else did. So it's clearly a thing with him and his movies they don't like, if mm-hmm. that's the problem here. I understand the Fablemans maybe isn't as strong as some people expected it to be as a picture contender, but like if they consistently don't like your stuff, it's I th- and the thing is, Spielberg he's mostly known for producing movies and stories that are inherently sentimental if not emotional and maybe um i'm just gonna say it's too emotional for them maybe that's what it is i don't know i don't know maybe (laughs) but maybe it's just a him situation i don't know what what's this what's the thing but and i'm sorry i got sidetracked but i also wanted to go wrap around real quickly to the to the globes because you know why in addition to all the nice things i've already said about them I feel like consistently, they've been the ones to always award my favorite movies. <laughs> because don't you forget, they also awarded um, Boyhood, and they also awarded La La Land. Mm-hmm. La La Land made history because they won all the Golden yeah. Globes that night. Although in retrospect, and again, this is where I call bullshit on the sanctity of the Academy Awards. Be- it was the night that it won every globe that it was nominated for. La La Land I'm talking about. That people were like, it's overrated. Oh, yeah. And so, and it created a backlash. La La Land lost Best Picture. Not necessarily only because there was passion for Moonlight. Yes, there was. But it also lost because uh, enough Oscar voters decided they were tired of hearing about La La Land. So again, do not fool yourself ever into thinking that quality has as much to do with who ends up winning these awards as you think there should be. Because there's always something else going on underneath the surface. And ultimately, Peter and I were talking about this uh, on our group chat about like what, what are the chances that everything everywhere wins? If it wins, what a historic moment. And it forever changes the kinds of movies that could win and be nominated at the Oscars if it does. Did you see that video I sent, that really complicated explanation for how they vote on the Academy Awards? It was a few days ago. Do you need to see it? I think I sent it to you on direct message, but it's fine. You can see it. The the, the difference is, for every category at the Oscars, the, the winner is decided by popular vote. Simple, right? The person that gets the most votes wins. Oh, I did. Yes, I did. Except yes, yes, yes. for Best Picture, uh-huh. where... That's not how it is. It is a preferential ballot system. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the if you're an Oscar voter, on your ballot, you have you have all of the nominees in front of you and a box next to it. And you have to write a number next 
to those movies and how you rank them from one to ten. If a movie, and it has to reach a certain number of votes, and if no movie wins on the first ballot, then they get redistributed. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If if a film is divisive or just has some detractors, if if it gets... Number t- if it gets ranked in tenth place by some people, that could keep it down. And a film that is more universally liked mm-hmm. across the board ends up winning. So, did you know that before this year? No. Yeah. It's, there are a lot of crazy fucked up rules <laughs> for why this. Yeah. Th- this. This. Uh, yeah, this, I is, this is. This is new. The video yeah. being like, okay. Why is it this complicated? Yeah. Why not just like the person that gets the most votes? Yeah. I mean, or the the. It's like the electoral college, right? <laughs> With the presidential election. It's the person that gets the most votes should win. Yeah. Not like who wins the electoral college. <laughs> and in this instance, it's the preferential col- the college, the preferential ballot system. And it's, it's a whole thing. Anyway, that's a whole situation there for the award season. I, I just want to say, um, It's just a great time for movies in general. And I uh, would encourage all of you who are listening to go check any of these out. And I know we're, we're running long and I've gone on many tangents. But before we go, uh, I don't want to I don't want to go before mentioning The Last of Us because that was a big premiere on HBO. Everyone's talking about it. We've personally been requested to mention The Last <laughs> of Us. And I, I also don't know that much about it other than it's Pedro Pascal that's in it. He's great in everything, by the way. Well, not everything. I forget about that one thing. <laughs> um, it's based off a video game. And it's about the end of the world. And evidently, it's been received across the board rather well. Alexis, so um, can you, before you even talk about like what you thought of the show, and they only just showed one episode, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Sunday's the next Okay. One. What is the show about, really? Um, it's basically because it, it feels a lot like Walking yes, Dead. It's literally Walking Dead. Um, but and I like, told Sergio that that's a big reason why I don't want to watch the show because I that Walking Dead really it wore me out on this it's, whole it's genre. It's the Walking Dead, but you skip to um. You skip like the I don't even know how many seasons The Walking Dead has, but you skip to where they kind of create eleven. a community. And it had eleven seasons. Oh my god! <laughs> the Walking after, Dead had eleven over seasons after um the whole Glenn thing. Like that's the that whole chunk is gone. But okay, so it's like the beginning, and then it skips over twenty years. So like. They're oh, really? fully established society now, but they kind of live in this like militia type of world. Uh huh. Um. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, there's differences and stuff, but yeah, like you skip the whole like realizing that it's the end of the world type of thing. Um. But it's 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 interesting, you know. The game is, I mean, huge hit, wild. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've played it before, not like the whole thing, just bits and pieces. I get headaches when I play video games like that, so I don't, I, I watch other people play them or I'll just watch uh, videos on YouTube and stuff. 
Um, but yeah, I remember when this game came out, it was huge. Um, and the main thing was the whole story of the game was interesting. Uh. Um, so that's why it's been made into a show. Um, right. and yeah, the, the, the people that have come out in it, I mean, it's pretty good for the first episode. I personally, controversial, people may hate me. I personally think that The Walking Dead has a better first episode. Um, but that, I don't, I'm not sure how controversial that is because, like, because people, no matter love, what you want to say, people love yeah. this thing. You know, they no, they they do. That's for sure. And I'm sure people have their opinions, but I don't think anybody can argue with the idea that The Walking Dead's pilot is among the best I pilots in the like last twenty times. years. It's a great pilot. Yes. Yeah. Um. Now the show itself, what it ended up becoming was. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll say I got as far as like five and a half seasons and then I, I dropped so off. Too. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's more than most people. I think some people, I think Peter was like, I think he left after season two. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's still like, a, it was still a really good first episode. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. What's the difference here, if I may, about like the. Um, so it, with The Walking Dead, it was just straight up zombies. Mm-hmm. Now in The Last of Us, are these things called clickers? I believe so. Yes. Um, cause but they're also just did, monsters, right? Did they right? ever explain in The Walking Dead like what happened? No. Okay. I think well, technically speaking, not on The Walking Dead, but maybe they okay. did it on their spinoff show called Fear oh, the Walking shit, Dead. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's funny. Um, I guess here, like the main thing is like the thing that is infecting people, kind of it like transforms them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it is people, and they do look like zombies, but it's like they're not them i don't know so it's like less walking dead more i am legend yes Uh Mm -hmm. um and i think because i can't i can't remember it but i I asked david and i in the walking dead they were slow right the zombies for most of the show there was and i don't know this because i saw it i know this because i read at some point in the last two seasons they got fast okay it's well, one of those this things. One, yeah. They're fast. Oh. They're fast. Like Quiet Place? Like the monsters in the Quiet Place? Because those those creatures are pretty fast, fast aren't they? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Like this thing that is infecting them, it completely takes over them. And yeah, like you need to run for your life or just, you know, let it kill you. Because, <laughs> yeah. I just like, oh, okay. Yeah. The I, I that's what I told you. I'm like, nope, just you know what, kill me now. It's fine. <laughs> I don't need to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's fine. Probably a horrible death too. Yeah, you see a couple. <laughs> but you know what? They do like a good, um, they a good. I guess like they show you the gore. No, no, no. Um, like when everything first starts happening, because mm-hmm. you're like in it, like 
it's not where like Rick wakes up and this has already happened. No, this yeah. like you the the first half of the episode it's it's them waking mm-hmm. up and going on about their day and then mm-hmm. like in the middle of the day like you hear it in the background you hear people talking about it's literally covid when you're listening to the radio you're listening to the news, you you're see, like what's happening yeah, like it, oh my you know God. That, yeah that's why yeah <laughs> that's why i don't like it was it was a little yeah it was a little bit like whoa like but alexis don't you remember like it was when this was happening it was scary i don't know for me i, I know that i remember being in Chula vista that weekend um that everything was closing down in early march and in the background there was a debate i couldn't even focus on a bernie sanders joe biden debate because in my mind i was like well this shit's already over i already know that this thing was rigged <laughs> to begin with and it was but second of all all I could think of was like, is the world about to end? Yeah. Yeah. You, you get that feeling of like, like you, you see them going through the things that we went through. Uh-huh. <laughs> All this is starting and you're just like, oh God. But it's also just like 10 times worse because it's people literally attacking you now, you know? Like it's not people getting sick. And it's coughing. basically that if, if um if all the people that COVID was killing at be- at the beginning, if those uh-huh. corpses got yes. up and started killing Literally, everybody yes. else, you know. Um, like at one point you see like a whole plane falling into the town. Fuck. Yeah, like it's literally. Oh, okay. We're. What do we do? And I remember, or I know that, like, at one point, they're trying to leave, and everything is blocked off. Like, they, they're just like, we can't go this way, we can't go that way. Like, what do we do? Like, and then they're even like, we gotta go to, like, a different country. And the people are like, but, like, what if it's over there, too? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, it is literally just like, what do we do? You know? But it's, it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, HBO doesn't really miss, do they? No. <laughs> uh, I, I I might. One thing that I, might, I did, because yes. I saw this with David, and I was laughing uh-huh. because I'm like, they really fucking wasted Pedro Pascal to have him wear a fucking mask in this yeah. show. Like, what the heck, man? <laughs> Isn't it funny how a trailer dropped for that and no one's talking about it? <laughs> I didn't see it. I, I <laughs> it was a waste of time to see it. I didn't see it. No. Oh God. But you know what? Good for him. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Good for him. Um How long do they You said you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So what other information have they uh, did they reveal there? Um, about the show or how long do they see this like going on for? Well, I asked David. They didn't really say much. They, they're. I mean, right now they're just kind of hoping. Like, I hope that people watch it. You know, because I mm. guess um, in, in the podcast, because uh, HBO does like a po- uh, podcast like right after the episode airs they do that with all mm-hmm. their shows i yeah. don't know if you've ever seen the gilded age you should really watch that one. it's really good the gilded age yeah. who was in that one um it's a lot of broadway people because they made it during covid 
Oh. And so, all, like, Broadway was shut down. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's really good. Um, but, yeah, they do, like, all of the shows I know, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon had their own podcast as well. And then this one, um, I believe it's or the host. Um, I, and I, re- I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcasts from the shows, but it's really cool because they have, like, the host that is somehow related to the show or the project. And then they have people come in that worked in the mm-hmm. show. Not necessarily actors. They do have the <laughs> actors, but they'll have, like, uh-huh. the costume designer, the um, yeah. set designer, stuff like that. Like, in the uh, Dragons one, they mm-hmm. had the, the set designer, and she kind of pointed out a lot of things that later came back around. And it's it's really cool. I, I, I bet. And, look, I, I've listened to podcasts or shows of that nature after shows, I guess you could consider it uh, for shows that mm-hmm. I uh, had wanted to do so. Of course, it would surprise you. It would. It wouldn't surprise anybody that with the last season of Shield, I did that because what's her name, Elizabeth Henstridge, uh, the one that plays Simmons on the show. What she did was she did a live Zoom mm-hmm. um, thing with all the directors and people that worked on the individual episodes every single week and like just talked about the filming of it. And again, it was during COVID. So those are really fun because mm-hmm. you get to know so much yeah. more information about the making of uh, something that you already like and that's good. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I think those kind. I always am appreciative of companion pieces. So like, for example, you love turning red Go see Embrace the Panda. Yeah, You'll love it even I love more those so. Things, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You get more out of it, yeah. I think. And you, you, I feel like you, in some way, connect to it more in the end because mm-hmm. you are yeah. you're seeing where the ideas come from, you know? Right. And especially if you don't have people in your life to talk about these things with, yeah. you get so much out of these yeah. conversations because <laughs> you get to, it's like hearing somebody else. Or other people have conversations about something that you've watched. Them. Like they'll be yes. like, "Oh yeah," you feel <laughs> you feel like you're part of the conversation yeah. as well. I like I'll laugh yeah. or like if they say something, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's good. yeah." <laughs> but anyways, yeah. um, in this one, the host is the person who voiced um, Pedro Pascal's character in the video game. Ah, okay. And um, in the first episode, they had the creator of the show and the creator of the game who worked together to bring the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the creator of the show was the first one that starts talking, and he kind of um, talks about how the show came about. Because after, like, obviously the huge success of the game, you know, he did want to make a TV show, um, but it just wasn't happening. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about there was a time where Macy Williams was attached to the project, but it was like a previous project um, mm. of him trying to make the show, but it just never happened and kind of fell apart. What's the timeline in this? Was this like 2010 they're talking about? How how it new was, is the show? Is this some um, game? The only okay. reason I know this is because I got the game from my ex. So oh. it's, it's been like, it's been out for a hot minute. Great. Um, and so I don't know how long after the game came out he tried to make the show. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how long after it was a Macy Williams show and stuff like that. But um, I I believe that it started like 
either 2019 or 2020 that everything started kind of falling into place. Mm-hmm. Um, and As the world was falling apart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, like, the reason why they got, like, the okay to do it was because um, the creator of the show actually worked on, I think he was one of the producers or something in Chernobyl. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and Chernobyl was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when the creator of the show saw that show, Chernobyl, he was like, uh. no, the creator of the game, mm-hmm. he was like, I need, like. I need this guy. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he somehow got a friend to, like, get in contact with him. And they entered, like, the HBO headquarters to pitch it. And mm-hmm. the creator of the show was like, I literally just sat back and had him talking. And and even he had me like, oh, yeah, like, this sounds like a really good thing, you know? Because I guess, yeah. like, the one who made the show was, like, super passionate about it and stuff. And so, I don't I feel like... Them explaining that part, like, I feel more excited to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you just love HBO? <laughs> God bless HBO. Yeah, and even um, the Chernobyl guy, um, the people at HBO told him, um, whatever project you want to do next, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do it. But just make sure that you have the same passion that you did for Chernobyl. Um, and when he started talking about The Last of Us and, like, pitching it, they right away were like, yes, okay, this is what we wanted from you. Like, this is the reaction we wanted from you, the passion that we wanted from you. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> it really is. Um, oh, man. HBO is such a godsend and they consistently and I know we kind of like we mentioned it real quick but uh, what was really noteworthy about House of the Dragon or Hot D as we lovingly like to call it winning uh, best drama series is at the Globes particularly Game of Thrones won zero times best drama yeah, series at I the didn't Golden know that Thrones. actually. They never liked Game of Thrones as much as everybody else did. They nominated the show here and there. What does it say that House of the Dragon came in there and like, Game of Thrones who? I don't know her. I know. (laughs) To be fair, though, I I feel like while I don't think entirely flawless, because I think on the whole – there's a world a world exists where maybe I would have preferred more than one season with this cast, but still what we got I think was exceptional all around enough to where I th- I don't think it's controversial anymore to say that the first season of House of the Dragon is up there with some of the best work Game of Thrones ever did. Yeah. I think that it didn't have a single miss. <laughs> no. Except maybe the lighting in that one episode. Oh. <laughs> it was still a good episode. It was an amazing episode. I mean, That's I was seeing funny. this. My my room was in complete darkness and I still Literally, couldn't I see. in my car watching it in pure <laughs> darkness. I could not see a single thing. Bless I still can't the people believe you, that you did uploaded that. it with all, all the darkness on Twitter. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, 
Also, I want to shout out the Critics' Choice for awarding Better Call Saul, a show, unfortunately, I've not been able to keep up with, but I remember seeing the first season or two, and it was really great, and um, I hear it ended really amazingly, but for whatever reason, I think like Better Call Saul has like almost 50 nominations and zero wins. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's like six years, like it gets nominated every year, and it Every year it wins nothing. Damn. That's, yeah. That's crazy. It, it really is, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> so we'll see. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild Awards are next, I believe. I don't know when they will be, but um, I'm curious to see what uh, those uh, results are. And, of course, the next time we will be discussing the Academy Award nominations and then maybe also some other movie reviews. Um, in that meantime, do you have like a list of movies that you want to get to or do you just get to it when you get to it? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> yeah. All the movies. Yeah, all like the movies. I really want to see mm. um, Anywhere, Always, Forever. <laughs> You can't even get the name right. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I want to see that one, but again, like I, re- I, I want to sit down and pay attention to it, and I just mm-hmm. have not been able to do that. You gotta be in the mindset. That's why you should have caught it in the theater when it was out in the theater. What happened? Where were you? I was also just... Batman five million times. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anything else we didn't uh, touch on? I don't think so. We might have ran the gamut here. Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. It was so good to talk to you again. It's been uh, some time. Hopefully we don't have to wait another month (laughs) for this to happen or over another month for us. Your month. <laughs> I know. Even Peter appeared more than you did in the last month. I or so. know. Is he yeah. still going back to school or work? <clears throat> Next or? month. Oh, great! You'll come back. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Day. So I'm. I'm. I'm sure your services will be called upon <laughs> at some point. Um, to fill a hole. Um, that he would leave and everything. <laughs> but uh, also, don't forget. Um. Kyle, Peter, and myself, March, we're going to have our personal top 10 films of the year. So don't forget those. Those are always fun shows to look forward to and everything. Um, remember to catch our podcasts every single Sunday, anywhere you listen to podcasts, under our spotlight for more content and more covering this wonderful year in movies that we will for sure have. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.